0: The drive through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like HPDEJunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of The drive through look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click about and then advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide.
1: Welcome to Drive Through episode number 19. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now let's pull up to window number one for some automotive news.
2: Before we head into automotive news, I want to make a special announcement. Guess what, folks? This is the last episode of season two not the last episode of the show but the last episode of season two 56 episodes into this season we are wrapping it up with drive-through episode number 19 and as always we aim to please so it's going to be a fun one and we'll talk more about what season two looked like in case you're tuning in maybe for the first time and don't know or maybe miss some episodes along the way i think we got to start off this month following up with last month. And so, you know, we talked a lot about cars that were becoming zombie cars and disappearing and a number of station wagons that aren't being produced this year and next year and things like that. And we missed something really, really important. Vehicles that are still available in 2022 with manual transmissions.
1: My one question is, can you still get a 2016 Dodge Dart with a manual (laughs) transmission? I believe you can. With With a warranty.
2: (laughs) At your local Dodge dealer.
1: I'm surprised by the M3 and the M4. Because the previous generation, a lot of the reviews that came out about them said that the car was better with the dual clutch, I guess, the the auto transmission setup compared to the manual. It said it was just a better driving experience. So I'm actually surprised that they are still catering to the enthusiast by putting the manual in these two cars. So clearly,
0: Brad hasn't scrolled through the entire list if he's being shocked off off the bat. (laughs) Shocked <laughs> off the bat with that one because I didn't know the Chevy Spark came as a
1: manual. <laughs> Wait, isn't the Chevy Spark a an electric only car or is it a hybrid? Either way, that's weird.
2: No, it's an Econobox, right? It's the it's the generation of the Geo Metro. You know that that heritage that that the Volt, there,
0: the the Volt the, is the is the little electric bread. one.
2: So you brought up the Spark, the Camaros on this list, the Challenger is on this list, but aren't all these cars headed to the graveyard? Didn't they stop production of the Camaro? So what? These are the ones that are to your point about the Dodge Dart, the ones that are left over on the lot in the article, there's an entire list of all these cars. There's actually 34 vehicles in 2022. I think that's pretty impressive. that still come with a manual transmission from the factory. I agree with you on the BMW, but there were rumors, not really rumors so much as complaints, a couple of years ago by BMW owners saying, why did you get rid of the manual? You know, then you heard the other side of the coin, BMW say, we're gonna be the last ones with the manual. We're gonna be the last ones, you know, with a petrol engine and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know what's truth and what's not. I'm glad to see BMW sticking to offering a manual transmission. I will say it's better for the track, especially with the gyros and safety software. I've coached some of these M4s and stuff. And tracks like Shenandoah, you know, you get up on an embankment and the car freaks out. It thinks it's flipping over, shuts down. At least, you know, with a manual, you can pop it in neutral, keep going. And it's not just dead in the middle of the track. Like I experienced with one of my students, I'd say things that did surprise me on this list were the two Cadillacs. You see, know, this... y'all are
0: boring with your things surprising you. I'm surprised to see that there are Mitsubishis. are
2: still being made
0: here or not made here but being sold here
1: what's a mitsubishi i don't know what that is
0: exactly y'all are getting (laughs) hung up on cadillac thing. there is a two mitsubishi's and you can get a manual folks
1: what really surprises me is the ford bronco i didn't realize i didn't know a manual like you like i knew the jeeps i mean i had a couple manual jeeps but i had no idea you could get the bronco with the ecoboost motor and the the manual transmission.
2: That is pretty surprising. I didn't, I didn't think that was a thing. Now, all the rest of these, the Hondas, the Hyundais, the GTIs and the Subarus, there's no surprise there. There's always going to be some car with a manual transmission. Same with the Porsches, right? The 911 seems to always, you know, despite the PDK being better, there's always going to be a manual option for the enthusiast. The car I'm most excited about on this list, because I want to go test drive one as soon as they come out, is the, the Z. The, the Spark. No, the Z400, right? The Nissan. I think that's really cool. And at the dollar value that the Z is coming in at, th- that's going to be a driver's car. That's going to be an enthusiast car. And I- I'm really excited about that. I think the only other one that that got my attention that was a little out of left field and still in the realm of the Bronco and the Jeeps was that you can get a Tacoma in 2022 with a manual transmission.
1: Always I think I'll like the Wrangler. You'll always be able to get a manual Tacoma as long as they make the Tacoma. I will say that there there are is a car that's not on this list that is sad panda. It's the uh, the Corvette. It's a shame that they don't offer the Corvette with a manual transmission. We knew that, the C8 we knew, but I mean if yeah. you think about I wonder what cars were on this list before like the previous year or the year before that that are no longer on the list and like, which, which ones of those are disappointing. You're right. The and Corvette you know, we, premier.
2: we would need to do that comparison or maybe some of our listeners already know that information, but you know what, you're right about the Corvette. I it didn't even dawn on me. I kept thinking maybe there was a manual C8 out there, but I guess there isn't. So again, some of this is no surprise like the Miatas and the mini Coopers and stuff. And they, uh, there are a few shockers on here to include the, uh, the Mitsubishi that Tanya pointed out. Something else that we missed during the whole shuffle of last month in the winter recap, a road and track announced the 2022 performance car of the year.
0: At what point do they say what it is? There's like 15 cars listed.
2: Let me break it down for you. This is classic TLDR. Too long, didn't read. Even I got bored about a third of the way through this article. And I was like, just get to the point. Ah, I found it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to the point. The winner was the 9-11. Woo-ha! Whatever. But if you look at this list of cars, it is such a just menagerie, just potpourri of, of different vehicles. It didn't make sense. How can you declare a winner when on one end of the spectrum you have the Volkswagen GTI and on the other side you have the latest Lamborghini and then all these cars in between, like the Merck and the Cadillac and the Bet and a Bentley? I'm like, whatever.
0: Because they- this was no ordinary Porsche, as it says, it's God's own Porsche.
2: Oh my God. Yeah, whatever. Much like the Consumer report stuff that comes out every year, when you enter the same car twice, a.k.a. the burrs and the furs, right, the 86 Subaru and the Toyota, as two separate entries in a contest like this, I'm like, yeah, you don't know what the hell you're doing. There's the same car, end of story. I
1: think they put this list together. These were the only cars or manufacturers had microchips for them. So they were, these are the only cars they were able to deliver at the time. And I love how the Subaru BRZ weighs more than the Toyota GR86 and it, it weighs more and costs less. So it's a better value.
2: You get more for less money. More <laughs> for <awesome>. less money. <laughs> oh what a mess so So which one's
1: the winner which one's the winner it was she said the 911
2: it was the porsche yeah And, and, and if you look at it from the hyper cars on one side or the super luxury cars like the bentley you know continental gt and all that stuff and then the econo boxes basically on the other side the porsche sits in the middle almost by itself it's going to win in almost every category between speed handling styling all that kind of stuff and it's like was this really a fair fight and the other thing I thought that wasn't fair about this article is we've got two entries that are the same car and we're talking about performance vehicles. Let's, let's call it what it is. Sports cars. There's not a single mention of the Miata on this list.
1: Or the C8 Corvette. Corvette.
2: <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, what? So you, re-
1: so- you replace one of the Burr's furs with a, Mi- with a Miata. You replace the GTI with a Corvette because it's the only, hatchback hot hatch in this that's it's a hot hatch it's not a sports car if they're trying to do sports cars the gti i love the gti i i have one you have one everybody we know has one it's not a sports car though
2: No, it's a compact hatchback.
1: It's cool. They're fun,
2: but it's not, it doesn't fight in this fight, right? Everything else on here is rear wheel drive. It's the only front wheel drive car. I'm like, I don't know, whatever.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I would think the Bentley is all wheel drive. True. And the the Lambo too.
2: Rear wheel bias, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I agree with you though. The GTI doesn't fit for me and the double burrs separated should be combined and then add the C8.
2: In other news, we got to now talk about our showcase this month. And for the first time ever in the drive through we have Ferrari as our showcase brand. So Tanya, let's talk about what's going on over our favorite manufacturer from Maranello.
0: Apparently, our friends at Ferrari, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, even though they shouldn't. And I think they had alluded to this a, a while ago, but unfortunately... What could have just been a rumor and a concept is apparently coming to fruition. Say, say it
2: ain't so. Say it ain't so. But the
0: Ferrari SUV
1: <laughs> on its way.
0: Yes, I did say the word SUV and Ferrari in the same sentence. I have blasphemed.
1: Is, didn't Ferrari's CEO over the last like decade say that they will never make an SUV? Never of- say
0: never.
2: This is the automotive equivalent of when the roof on Notre Dame fell in. Like we're, this is sacrilege. Ferrari's building an SUV. Y- you're lying to me.
0: I will say based on the picture, its stance makes it look less SUV and more slightly smaller compact crossover.
2: <laughs> no,
1: that's
0: even worse that's
2: even what, that means it's a Fiat Multipla with a freaking Ferrari badge on it. At least if it was the Maserati rebranded or the Stelvio or something, I could get over it. But no, compact crossover for it, get out of here. I mean, it's, it's, here. it's very
0: much camouflage to the point of they didn't put vinyl camouflage on it. They literally have like a car cover on it. <laughs> All you can really see is the windshield. So the true body lines are hard to discern. However, it doesn't look like, you know, a Ford Explorer or something.
2: Terrible. What are they they calling this turd?
0: The pure blood, as
2: it's translated.
1: The puro sangue?
2: Yes. Yes, the pure blood. Can you believe that? Really, really, really? That
1: is, that's a terrible name for a... Ferrari SUV. Terrible
2: idea. This is anus. This is this, this is a
1: punch in the eye. This is like that company that we thought died that's still around Mitsubishi naming their <laughs> SUV the Eclipse. Oh, stop.
0: Anyone want to wager how much it's going to cost?
1: $100,000. How much does a Lamborghini cost and then add like a $50,000 to it?
0: So apparently this thing is going to be north of Well, it could start as high as
2: 350,000. What? Come on.
1: So I can expect to see these in my kids' school's parking lot.
0: (laughs) 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 They make a lot of bespoke ferraris if there's truly this demand which i'm curious to know is there demand for like are people clamoring to have an suv if not they should have just made some bespoke ones like i could have lived with like oh there's only three in the world but not something worth actually
2: ferrari owners be? are tired of driving their porsche Macans. that's that's what it is and bediagas and whatever else they all right so they've lost their minds and it seems like there are a list of other things that they're trying.
0: Ferrari is also busy reinventing the wheel, if you will. Not the literal wheel, but the
1: windshield wiper. Oh. So Tesla, look
0: out. You are got part- some competition to your laser beams.
1: Are they partnering with Tesla?
0: No, their idea is using compressed air across the windshield. Which I like better than the laser beam (laughs) because at least I'm not going to have like my retinas burned. Yes, the laser is not going to be that strong. They actually still plan to have a wiper blade. So it's this weird like compressed air plus wiper blade because they want a smaller blade that's lower profile, that's not affecting their aerodynamics, which most of the days the windshield wipers tuck down underneath you know, the top of the hood kind of tucked in under the cowl anyway. So what, how is it really impacting aerodynamics? I mean, If you're using them and you're going that fast, it doesn't matter anyway. You're losing speed somewhere else. I said this
2: the last time. If your car is slippery enough, just like we talked about the Cybertruck, you don't need the windshield wipers. Put a little Rain-X on there and the uncompressed air as you're driving will dissipate the water off of your windshield. Here's the problem with this. This is literally cutting your nose off despite your face. We're going to develop this highly intricate compressed air miniature wiper blade system, space-age technology, to save on something totally idiotic and add 150 pounds of gizmos that'll break when I can go to Walmart and buy Mm -hmm. a regular wiper blade for 11 bucks.
0: I mean, this, like anything else, is just... Then having an idea and what do you do when you have an idea? You patent it so somebody else can't take it. doesn't mean they're actually ever going to use it in this application, but it precludes anybody else from doing it. So, I mean, yes, is, they're doing exactly what they should do okay. now. Okay. In 10 years, if they actually do this, we can criticize them more.
1: <laughs> I,
2: I mean, like I said before, the patent trade office is, is full of bad ideas. What I'm wondering, though, is you guys know what it sounds like when your wiper blades are like <laughs> worn, worn out. So what does it sound like when you're driving in the rain and your micro wiper blade is worn out and you've run out of compressed air? Is it like...
0: It's nothing because you've off the road because you
1: couldn't see. <laughs> but what we're not discussing is how 99.999% of Ferrari drivers, their cars never see rain the street or the rain, or anything. You never see the outside of a garage. So who is this wiper for?
0: This is not the only thing they're patenting.
1: Oh, really?
0: So they're on a patent, a frenzy, a roll, whatever.
1: The yes. forefront of innovation.
0: And they will not be left behind. Just like they will not be left behind with this whole SUV thing that's decades old. <laughs>
1: Even though they're last.
0: <laughs> they are not going to be last on EVs. What? They are patenting. A battery layout for mid ship mounted batteries. Whenever they do unveil whatever EV they're working on, they want to retain the weight balance of their Ferraris today that are all mid engine, et cetera, et cetera. So they, some, I, I don't know enough about the battery placement and how it warrants the patents, but they're patenting the location uh, or I guess the setup, the assembly of these batteries to be quote mid engine in their. In their cars.
2: This is something I can get behind. This is something that makes sense outside of these other just things that are complete lunacy, because if they can make the battery pack dimensionally fit in that space and weigh about the same as the petrol motor that they're pulling out with some sort of transaxle direct power to the rear wheels and all that, I think it makes sense because they're going to have a performance EV, something that can actually handle... Unlike a lot of these, you know, I get it. They do it low center of gravity and they try to disperse the weight across the car. But if they can make a a one for one, what does Ferrari care about range? Because to Brad's point, these people are either, maybe they're using them at the track, driving to somewhere, or they sit in the garage a lot of the time. So why not make something as close to the OE as possible?
0: And lastly, in case you were now getting that little itch for all things Ferrari, it was announced very recently director michael mann if anyone's familiar with his work i'm not (laughs) he and i think the person who wrote script on the italian job are collaborating for this director's passion project which is a movie about ferrari the man
2: so this movie
0: apparently is going to take place back in the 50s and be focused on mr enzo himself
2: i like this idea I looked at the cast photo and I thought this was an article for that new house of Gucci movie. Cause isn't it like the same people? Is this a sequel to that movie? Like what is this? It's
0: not the same people. It is the same main male character. So Adam Adam driver Driver, is again playing an Italian gentleman. He was playing Mr. Gucci in house of Gucci. And now he's going to play Enzo in this movie, but instead of lady Gaga, we have Penelope Cruz playing, I guess I uh, his, his wife
1: years. or whatever. The name I haven't heard in about 20 years. He, yeah, she hasn't really done much, has she? Didn't, yeah, she th- what was the last movie she was in? I can't I can't remember. Vanilla Sky.
2: <laughs> no, no, that Pirates of the Caribbean movie. This, oh, it was terrible. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Caribbean.
1: Uh, the Caribbean. Becoming... The Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbeanos.
0: Well, before this com- turns into uh, you know. Stephen Izzy show. <laughs> Shout out. We'll have to catch this one with them in the, in the future. Absolutely. Whenever this, this eventually comes out, not much to report on this, but it is a movie that's coming. They got getting it all lined up, so it's not in production yet.
2: If it's like Rush or Ford versus Ferrari, something like that, it could be fun. You know, it's one of those sort of mockumentary almost types of films. So there's no bad guy here. I mean, who are they going to? Who's who's going to play the villain, right? I mean, whatever. We'll see. It could be. It could be fun. It could be entertaining. I guess we got to move on, and we got to talk about. Porsche, Audi, and VW news. So what's hot right now? Or maybe what's not right
1: now?
0: Well, a little bit of sad news to start off. I guess it depends on your point of view. Some people probably care less. (laughs) Some people might be happy. And then there'll be some that are, are sad to see the... I don't know that it's iconic, but it's been around for quite a long time. The Volkswagen Passat is finally taking its last cruise as they finally discontinued that model and the last vehicles have rolled off the assembly line down in Chattanooga and they've been fitted as Chattanooga anniversary edition. So there's, and I know we talked about this some time ago that they, they said they were going to do this. So there's a bunch of Tennessee touches and inside and, and things like that for the, the last model. But essentially the Passat, even though it was not the Passat when it first came over, has been in the U.S. at least since the early 70s when it was known as the Dasher.
2: And then it became the Quantum.
0: And then it became the Passat. So it's had a long history here. It's taken a couple body shapes to get to the most recent rendition, which has always kind of been the larger sedan. It was always class larger than the Jetta in terms of size. but And now the Jetta, I guess, is the new Passat because they're the same size. But (laughs) we digress.
2: There's an interesting... Video in this article where they ha- they found like the original clip from like 79 or something like that of when the Passat came to the United States because it came here later than when it was introduced in Europe, obviously. And if you watch it, it's like this yuppie guy in California and this and that, And you know, the guy he breaks the fourth wall. And the narrator asks him, Well, why are you buying a Dasher? And he's like, Well, it's better than buying a Buick. And I immediately I thought to myself, how that was foreshadowing at that time, because Passat just basically became a big old marshmallow Buick in its, its last runs. I mean, it's, it's the rental car of rental cars. It's the German Camry. I mean, it's just like, blah. And what I think they failed to do with the Passat, they should have gone in the direction of Cadillac with like the V cars. Like they never had a sport version of the Passat that was worth anything. They had a few trim packages and the W8, and every once in a while they throw us a bone. But in general, as Tanya would say, it was vanilla. It drove like vanilla. The Passat was just boring. It was always boring. Even as a VW diehard VW guy, I'm not sad to see it go. And unfortunately, to, to make matters worse, the best and last Passat, in my opinion, was the B5 and a half. But even that was an Audi and not really a Poseidon. So it's like, eh, whatever.
1: Those are the ones that, that came four motion, the first four motions? Correct. That was also the one that came with the WA motor.
2: Those
0: were
1: nice.
2: They were a good 80. size. They were good looking. They were the equivalent of the, the 80s Volvo. I mean, they were that, you know, kind of exciting. But to me, he, they were
1: they were Volkswagen's version of the E39 BMW a, 5. Exactly, series. exactly. It so was just like a nice, handsome midsize sedan, sports sedan.
2: Like I said, there's sort of other cool Passats, like the one with no grill, as long as it had the VR6, right? Because it was one of the early VR6 cars. That was cool. But like some of the other stuff, you're just like, "Eh, yeah, whatever, like nobody cares. And that's why it's not sticking around. I hate to say it because nobody cares.
1: They, they kind of replaced it with the A-A-R-O-N or the A whatever the hell that car is called the Ayrton I was the, behind Arteon. one of those I was behind one of those
2: Sona. I was like oh look at you yeah the Arteon is
1: that what it's called yeah the 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 Ayrton Sona. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> I mean, so is it is the Passat really dead? Who who knows? But even then it got weird with the Phaeton and all this other stuff. And it's like, is it an A8? Is it an A6? Like, I don't know. It's like, who cares?
1: I think the Phaeton was more Bentley than anything else. The Phaeton was actually a really cool car. For features and everything, I think it was far past an A8 of its time. Because whoever commissioned that car to be built... I can't remember the names of anybody that worked at VW at that time, but they wanted that car to be the best car on the road at all. Yeah,
2: that that was Ferdinand Piech's like mission is to make the smooth, yes. you know, to beat Lexus, to have the smoothest, most luxurious. All steel construction vehicle. The Phaeton weighed like a semi truck and it's basically an A8 underneath. And the sheet metal on the outside, it was like a bloated B5 Passat. It still had the same styling cues. So that was what was hard to swallow. That car was like, I'm going to be
1: bland looking.
2: Yeah, you're going to pay 90 grand for a fat Passat. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Get out of well, here. Well, if you
1: waited a year, you could pay 10 grand on the maintenance.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then all the maintenance on the W12 would have cost you 80 yeah, you'd grand. Nine, again.
1: Nine, yeah, 80, 90 grand on maintenance. For the but first year.
2: Other things that confuse me and disappoint me, just like the Passat, is this next article? Yet another Pikes Peak Porsche Etron records. Like I tried to read this article. I read it three times and I'm confused. Hopefully, our audience will get it because I, I sure don't.
1: The Porsche won the record for the largest elevation change in one trip. Is that what I'm understanding? Is that a record we were looking to beat? It's like a baseball record, you know, the greatest. <laughs> Like most hits wearing two left shoes or most uh, strikeouts wearing tennis shoes with red laces. I don't know. It's, it's that's all insane. bullshit.
2: I mean, I didn't understand that one picture of them looks like they're in a, like a coal mine or something. It's like, what yeah, is that's. This? I, think
0: that, I think that's the point. In order to hit that altitude record, they actually started down in this mine and they drove out of the mine. Oh, okay. So it had to yeah. do a little bit of very light off-roading, if you will.
1: It's a record Porsche now owns. It's also a record that Porsche is the only one who's attempted. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. The Guinness Book
2: of World Records is full of that shit. But speaking of records being broken.
0: Apparently Lamborghini, somebody aftermarket tuning people, they took a twin turbo Lamborghini Huracan to the drag strip and they took it to Bradenton Motorsports Park in Florida to do a quarter mile run and they... As it says, cross the finish line clocked at 7.54 seconds with 186.41 miles an hour top speed understood to be, quote, a new best. And that that time is enough to humiliate the fastest stock production cars out there, including the current king, which is the Rimac Nevera.
1: This is not a production car. First of all, it's on Mickey Thompson Slick's. Thank you. uh, Yes. If you put a Rimac on Mickey Thompson slicks and you slap however much money was spent on this kit into one of those cars, I'm sure you would beat it. I don't
0: even think you'd have to do that because the Rimac on summer Michelin Pilot Sport tires did an 8.58 in the quarter mile. So put drags on that and let's see what it does.
1: Yeah. Put, All right put, right. put drag slicks and Yeah. It's, None it's of this close. is important because an
2: eight second car is slow as dirt. I don't give a crap if it's a twin turbo Lamborghini or the Rimback seven and a half to eight and a half seconds, it, just like, you know, Toretto, you owe me a 10 second car. That's slow. I mean, there's Teslas that are faster than this. There's other cars that are faster than this.
0: Caveat with this was it's street legal car.
2: There's plenty not on, of non-slicks. Uh, no, that's BS. <laughs> and there's plenty of pro stock cars out there and plenty of American muscle big block cars that'll blow the doors off of both of these that are street legal, quote unquote. So this is uh, this is a bunch of hype. And that that twin turbo kit, that's what the same twin turbo kit that's available for the R8 because it's basically the same motor and all that stuff. I mean, who cares? This is old news. Speaking of old news, we ask a lot of times on the pit stop. If you were the last person in the boardroom to cast a vote and the vote is between the 959 and the F40, which would you choose? So far, all of our guests have answered F40, but have given a justification for why the 959 is, quote unquote, technologically superior. And so I found it interesting that our friends over at the Porsche Club of America who, by the way, have kicked off their own podcast recently. They put together an article talking about nine interesting facts that you might not know about the 959. And what's really important about this article and the research that went into it is that when you stand back and look at what is being shown, you have to put it into the context of the time period. So you look at, oh, twin turbo, big deal. Four wheel drive, whatever. Manual transmission and all these different kinds of things, You know, off-road capability, you're like, whatever. There's tons of cars that have that now. But when you bring this back to late 1980s technology built on top of 70s 911 chassis, this was a supercar. This was Porsche's first real production supercar. These things are record setting. These are real records being broken by Porsche. These are pushing the boundaries of what could be done at that time in the automotive and and really in the motorsports world as well. And so... When you compare the 959 to the F40, the 959 is hands down technologically superior. The F40 was primitive. It was still based on, you know, like the 288 GTOs and things like that. It had some Formula One technology in it, but not in the same way that the 959 did. So I think this is a really solid read. And my good friend, Manny Albin, who I've known for many, many years, put this together. And I I got to give him a shout out. So when you have the chance, be sure to check out Porsche Club of America's new podcast. It's called the PCA Insider. And Manny is also one of the hosts on that show. And I wish them all the best of luck as they're building out their platform. So I think that wraps up our Porsche, Audi, and VW news for the month. Let's transition now to the rest of Lower Saxony and talk about what's going on over at Mercedes and BMW.
0: Somebody woke up. What? They woke up and realized those ugly kidney, not kidney grill things, beaver teeth. Not a good look.
2: No. The
0: bucktooth beaver BMW might be sunsetting. Lies. Newer models have smaller sized, proportionate
1: grills. Those two giant grills, at least on the car, were only on the M3 and the M4. I don't think I saw them on any of the other regular. The 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 X's X's and the 7's. Not really. I don't remember seeing those giant But like the trucks case.
2: have those huge grills. Remember they compared them? The grills on the front of an X5 are bigger than the whole front end of an E30. Like they're just ginormous. Maybe this goes in line with them returning the manual transmission to the M3 and the M4. Maybe they're starting to listen to their customer base. You know, the enthusiasts saying, hey, BMW, what the hell are you doing? They thought the bangle period was bad. This stuff is just insane. And I know we've had guests on that sing the praises of the new BMWs, early adopters, all that kind of thing. And I have to agree with some other folks that have been on the show. People buy with their eyes. And if it's ugly, it's ugly. They ain't going to buy it
0: people buy with it. Well, I don't have to see it when I'm sitting on the inside.
2: That's very true too. But I would be embarrassed. (laughs) All kidding aside. I mean, I'm glad that they're changing back to something that is more iconic BMW. I don't want to call it pleasant to the eyes or more appealing. I want to label it as iconic BMW. I looked at that car and went, it looks like a BMW. Like every good concept prototype, spy photo, what is there and what is reality? They might slap those huge grills back on it again. So you know,
0: no, because I've seen some other. They're going to do it with the eight. They're going to do it with the four. They're going to do it with a bunch of other models. They're already showing the new models coming out, and they have the smaller grills, not
1: these big monstrosity things. That's going to make those giant grilled cars collectors' cars. It's a very limited run.
0: Maybe that was their plan this whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're in the uh, market for a touring wagon BMW oh, yes. will sure to delight you with the upcoming 2023 three series wagon just as long as you don't live in the United States and you live
1: in Europe Bomp-bomp. they're even making an M3 version as well I'm
2: okay with all of this you had me at wagon and I will say previous Generation three series and even five series station wagons are good looking wagons. They lend themselves well to the BMW physique, to the design. I like them. I've never not liked them. I haven't seen an ugly wagon yet. And thankfully, I think the wagons missed the whole weird front end phase. So I'm okay with this. Now, I will say this it looks a little big. The belt line looks a little high, kind of rem- reminds me of the Volvos where they're just sort of stretched up. You know, maybe with a set of nice wheels like an M2 has or an M3 or some sort of M sport package or whatever. I'm excited for this. And I don't say that very often about BMW, but I am excited about this. We can now finally say that there is no Stellantis news this month. So we're going to take a moment of quick silence in honor of there being no Stellantis news this Well, month.
0: <laughs> none that we're apparently aware of. <laughs>
1: I mean, we already talked about Stellantis news. The Challenger comes with a manual again.
2: Uh, Okay. All right. All right. So yes. All right. The record is is still in place. There is always Mopar news to talk about, but we do have to switch to our other domestic news sponsored in part by AmericanMuscle.com, your number one source for OE performance and replacement parts for your Chevy, Ford, or Chrysler product.
1: Ford and GM warn their dealership network to stop overcharging for brand new cars.
2: Somebody posted the other day, and I was completely flabbergasted by this, one of the sticker ads for a brand new Ford pickup truck. Now, I know the prices of vehicles have been going through the roof, but to see a $52,000 dealer markup I get the 1997, you know, dealer. What was that? The destination charge we talked about the last time, but 52 grand for what?
1: I'll buy another car with that money. What the hell? I get angry at the $595 pinstriping charge. Who the hell is going to pay $52,000 over sticker? Well, the best part, part is
2: the pinstriping pin charge is for the pinstripe you didn't want on the car to begin with. Exactly. It's already there. Exactly. (laughs) You got to pay money to get it off. The pickup truck that was posted about it put it like well into like $130,000. I'm like, why? Who? How? How? I mean, I get that, that Ford trucks and, and trucks in general and high demand and, and things like that, but it's a $52,000 markup. I mean, that's bring a trailer crazy levels of, of asking price in my. That's your
1: local dealer.
2: Hopefully something course corrects or the factories can push back on the dealers and say, Hey, you can't, you can make a profit, but you can't make this much profit. Or I think it's going to have to take government legislation to step in and say, you're gouging people, you're ripping people off. People buy with their eyes, like we said, but they also buy with their wallets and their hearts. And if you walk in and you see that, you got to walk away.
1: You should walk away, but you won't walk away because the dealer will slap on 15-year auto loan for uh, a mere
2: 6.5%. Oh, 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 it's like a mortgage. Yeah. No, thanks. Flipping that coin a little bit, talking about the motorsports world, I'm a little bit excited because as I'm diving more into the new changes that are coming for the classing, especially for 2023 Le Mans, we're seeing a lot more GT3 and GT4 entries, right? And there's whole series like SRO that are devoted to GT3 and GT4, and Ford has now officially announced their GT3 plans for IMSA. And I'm like, awesome, this is great. But we have to wait another two years. I feel like this is a carrot that's being dangled out. I don't think that the Mustang's ever going to go away, like the Camaro's gone away. But then again, I'm like, what's going on here? How's this going to work in two years? Is that Mustang going to be a hybrid? Is it still going to be a V8? Is a V8 going to be a thing? How does this work with the Corvette, with the whole balance of power thing? The Mustang's at a disadvantage right now against other cars that are in its class. And so I'm really curious to see how this all plays out. I'm really excited that Ford is coming back. I just wish they were coming back in 23 to compete with everybody else that's going to be on the big stage. We don't know if they're going to be an LMDH you know, with some sort of prototype. I mean, the the Cadillac was re-revealed again with some new videos and things like that. And it looks super cool. I'm really excited about that. I mean, go GM. That's awesome. I think coming to the stage in 23 without something big from Ford is, I I feel like it's a mistake.
1: Yeah. Maybe they did the latest iteration of the Ford GT a little too soon and they should have timed it from a marketing standpoint, a little differently to coincide with the hundred years of the and, and all that. I'm excited for a GT3 Mustang, uh, mainly because in 30 years when they're all on racing junk for 15 grand, I can go <laughs> ahead and pick one up. <laughs> nice.
2: I, I like that. That
1: that's forward
2: thinking. That's that's solid strategy there. I like
1: that. bold strategy.
2: You know, I don't generally commute a lot, especially into the city, but I did this month many, many times and, you know, gave me an opportunity to see what's hot on the road. Just kind of scanning traffic. And and you know what I spotted? I spotted a Taurus X. Can you believe it?
1: What is a Taurus X?
2: Exactly. (laughs) It's not a new car. It's a quite an old car. And it's like this Taurus that's not an SUV is a station wagon, but it's sort of like the original Pacifica when they reintroduced it. Remember that thing that like up on stilts, but it's a wagon, but it's an SUV. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, somebody actually bought one of those. I was really, I was actually really proud of that guy. And I was also proud of the fact that it's still on the road after like 20 years it was been produced but again i didn't know
1: you 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 mean the ford freestyle is that what it is this is exactly what it is yeah it It looks like a flex too it's weird yeah it was the ford freestyle and then i guess they rebadged it as the taurus X to give it you know some clout because you know the taurus name carries with it some pedigree but (laughs) (laughs) it replaced the freestyle
2: Yes. We're just going to leave it right there. It was yes. It was yes. So that being said, all kidding aside, I actually saw two Mavericks this month on the road, brand new. Here's my first impression. Explorer sport track. Look at that. And then I went, Oh no, wait, it's a Maverick. It looks like a sport track at first glance, you know, that weird SUV in the front mini pickup truck in the back size wise. It's like a step up from the previous ford ranger like when they stopped making the ranger so it's actually a decent size it's not f-150 big and it's not as big as the ranger so i think as a as a small pickup it's good it's bigger even than the sport track was but it's got that shape the front is reminiscent of the last generation ranger the pre-ecoboost ranger and all that kind of stuff i'm not sure what to think of it but one thing did get my attention The Maverick on the back is huge. I mean, it reminds me of like a square body Chevy. I mean, it just takes up the whole tailgate. And then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, well, where does the license plate go? And then I I spotted it. It's off to the right side of the receiver where the trailer, you know, where the trailer hitch goes. It just looks so awkward. Everything's out of proportion because the license plate sits off to the side really low too. It's it's kind of bizarre. That's the one kind of styling cue that I was just weirded out about.
1: I don't know that I've ever seen one on the road, but I don't know why they needed to make this if they have the Ranger. Like when I've heard people talking about this, I thought they were just, it was a trim level of the Ranger maybe. No. I didn't realize that it was its own standalone Truck because looking at it, it I mean, it looks like it's not body on frame, it looks like it's unibody. So, so I guess the Rangers' body on frame, this is unibody.
2: For all we know, it could be a sport track, just you know, with new sheet metal.
1: Yeah, because the sport track was based on the Explorer.
2: Overall, I liked it. I will say the first one I saw, I wasn't a fan of the color, it was this weird blue, the ones you kind of see in the press pictures. It doesn't look as good in real life as it does in picture. And the other one was like a, I got to say it this way. It was like a diarrhea brown, but but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, I was actually okay with that. It's like a paper bag color that wouldn't be the first color I selected, but you know, whatever. So I was, that was cool. I thought that was neat to see a Maverick on the road this soon after us talking about it coming. I was like, that's cool. Curious to see what else comes out here in the next year or so.
1: So when does the Raptor version of the Maverick come out. How soon till we start seeing them in, a, in an HPDE event?
2: Hey, man, send it. <laughs> we got to talk about our friends over at GM.
0: So they're doing some investment. Obviously they've gotten into the electric car race as well. And they've got a facility in New York locked in components that makes a lot of parts specifically for GM radiators, condensers, HVAC, oil coolers, things like that. And so this facility is actually going to get a big upgrade thanks to GM dumping some money into it to build a bunch of electric motor components there. So expanding kind of their component train in, in US, based and in, in bringing jobs and in investing in their EV future.
1: We talked about it on a previous drive through where GM was using 3D printing technology to make race parts. Will they be incorporating some of this technology into these EV parts?
2: That's a very good question.
1: Time will tell, I guess.
2: I also feel like GM is spending a lot of money Every time we turn around, I hear the word GM and investment in the same sentence. Remember, they invested a ton of money in Nikola. They invested a ton of money in the Lorton factory. they And they invested a lot of money in all these things. What's coming of it? I mean, I get that it takes like a decade for this stuff to come around full circle. They're What's last- coming is
1: they're not paying taxes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's that, right? They're taking a loss on this. But I feel like even Ferrari's going to come to the table with this EV, CUV, monstrosity, pure blood thing <laughs> before GM gets their first legitimate EV out there
1: that isn't the Volt. So there was the Volt and the Bolt. And no, the Bolt. because
2: they,
0: they're coming up with the lyric. So Cadillacs is supposed to be coming out yeah. within the year or and the, and,
1: and late and this Hummer. year or next year. And the Hummer's still GM, right? Nobody else bought it. I don't believe so. I think it's GMC, which is GM. It's it's all the same.
2: Well, Brad, you know, I'm glad that you're back because we haven't had a lot of Corvette news since you've been absent from the drive-thru and and, and suddenly you come back and now there's all this Corvette stuff in the news. What's going on now?
1: I'm not saying I inspire all this Corvette stuff, but GM kind of does it for me only. So (laughs) the Chevy Corvette is celebrating 70 years. And how are they doing that? With an anniversary package which I haven't read this article yet, but I'm guessing it's just a, tr- a, a bunch of badges and colors and bullshit like they did for the 50 year. Uh, so let's see. Including as uh, unique badging, special colors, and lots of red trim. Yeah, so it's a it's an appearance package. GM is all about the appearance package. They did the same thing with the Camaro for the Camaro's 25th anniversary. The Corvette Fiftieth anniversary was a special maroon color. I think with the magnesium wheels and, and whatever bullshit. I just said it. It's bullshit. This is you're you're paying you're gonna pay fifty two thousand dollars markup at the dealer for <laughs> a base Stingray, if you can get one.
2: Now I will say I I like it. I think it looks good. Those wheels are really nice, and the little red trim, especially because it's coming in black and white. I think it kind of reminds me in a weird way of like the GTI trim package, right? Where it's like just that little thin red line makes all the difference. And it just, it looks, it actually looks pretty cool. That's a lot. Cause I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan yet of the C8, especially the back. Those profile shots, I think it looks pretty slick.
1: Good on them. No, no, no. I mean, they definitely do a good job with them. I don't see anything about the price for this package when it comes out, but I can tell you that it's not going to be worth the price. It's a good looking car, but it's not going to be worth the price.
2: One last sad bit of Chevrolet news, which
1: Which we're tying it in all together with our first story. That's right. We are.
0: We mentioned how surprising for that Chevy Spark to be offered in a manual. But folks, you better jump on it after August of 2022. There will no longer be Chevy Sparks available off the line. They are being discontinued.
1: Collector car alert.
0: Funnily enough, the picture in the article even shows the manual version.
1: (laughs) If there was an automotive investment opportunity, this is it. I I, gotta get your manual spark.
2: (laughs) I gotta ask, would you drive one,
0: like as a rental? (laughs) No, not at all. Why? Why would I be buying this? I would totally get the Corolla Hatchback.
2: I, I agree. I saw one of those driving around this month too. They're pretty cool looking. It was in a weird blue color, like this like Robin's egg electric color. It was striking. I was like, man, that's the new Corolla like sport hatchback.
0: You can get the midnight murder packages on
1: it too. Yeah. I was just going to say no, because I do not fit.
2: I would drive a spark under one condition. If it was a fully prepped B spec race car, I would drive a Chevy spark thousand percent because it would would be a lot of fun.
1: this wouldn't even be B-spec. This would be D-spec. <laughs>
2: He's using the Forza classifier system. <laughs> yes,
1: you buy one, the base model is F-spec, and then you you drop 150 grand into it to get it up to D.
2: I didn't say I was building the race car. I said I would drive it. And this over something like the Honda Fit?
1: <laughs> I do love, okay, so all jokes aside, you can pick up a brand new one of these cars for it's 15 grand. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. So I, yes, I would buy this. If I was in the market for a new car and I was not six foot four, then I would totally consider one of these for just a putting around town, normal commuter car 15 grand when the average base, you know, average cost of a car right now is close to 50.
2: Let's take that back. That Maverick is something like in the twenties. So would you rather have the Maverick or the Spark at that point?
0: Well, the Corolla hatchback's 20.
2: Yeah, I think I'd still go with that. It's the closest I can get to a Yaris, right?
1: Without So we basically just explained why the Spark is going away because of the Corolla hatchback.
2: Wasn't there a Spark Turbo? Wasn't there like some goofy add-on thing for the factory, like special version or something like that?
1: I Yeah, I think it came with the Tornado that you used to <laughs> see on infomercials. That would help the fuel economy. <laughs>
2: you you hit a slap chop on the dashboard and it spins up the turbo. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It came with a tube that came from the engine compartment into your into your the cockpit and you blew into it and it forced induction into the motor. <laughs> oh,
2: that's awesome. Oh man. Lean it lean is mean.
1: Keep blowing that air in there. Is GM or Chevy going to release it with a special appearance package? <laughs>
0: They should. They should sunset it with some special trim packages. Yeah,
1: it's black and white with little red lines. It's the what what year anniversary? Does anybody even care? They could call it 10 the years. Sm- 10 years.
0: Ten years. Decade.
1: The 10 year anniversary of the the uh, spark, the car. Okay, no, let, one let's existed. Let's Nobody take this, knew was leaving.
2: <laughs> let's take this back. Let's take this back just one more time. Buy a Passat or a Spark.
1: I mean I think the Spark's got more style. So I would totally buy a Corolla hatchback.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) No,
1: the answer is Toyota GR Yaris.
2: It always will be. That's for sure. Yes. So this has actually been a great month for news. We've had Corvette stuff come up. We're talking about manual transmissions. People are breaking records, appearance packages, all this fun stuff. We don't have any Stellantis news to really talk about, but we, you know what we do have instead? We've got JDM news. This is awesome. So let's, ju- let's dive into this. And the one that got me right off the beginning of the month, Toyota, the Gazoo Racing Team, has unveiled their GT3 concept car. And just like the title of the article says, it left me with questions.
0: It looks and my, like the Batmobile.
2: My first question was, Is this a Toyota powered Mercedes? Because it looks like an SLS. I was like, "What is this?" (laughs) Toyota
1: is all about partnering with and because of that, to to save them money.
0: And because of that, I like it. It looking like that Mercedes is not a bad thing.
2: No, it's good looking. I'm really shocked that something like this would come out of the Toyota design studio. And I'm just like, wow, this is cool. Who knows? To Brad's point, maybe this is some cooperation like they did with on the Zupra, right? Between. Hopefully it isn't a BMW and they're not going back to that well yet again. He's right on point when he says that because all of their sports cars, whether it's the '86. Or it's the Supra or whatever, it's in combination with somebody else, right? It's a cooperative effort. So I'm really curious to see where this comes from. Doesn't look or read like it's a Lexus with different sheet metal, like they've tried to do in the past, like the RCF and things like that, which we'll talk about more when we cover Rolex. And this is cool. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes.
1: I think it's just going to go as a race car in the GT3 class, much like that Mustang, I would love to see something like this eventually end up into production. I don't see that ever happening, but it may have to, if this is going to be a real race car, but.
2: Or it ends up in Gran Turismo before it ends up on the street. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Kind of like the, the Mazda Ferrari, which was super cool looking same kind of thing, like just blows you away. Even if you look at it today, you know, 10 years later, you're like, oh, the Ferrari is awesome. It just never came to fruition. It never happened. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the next car on our list. And it's, it's a car that's come up before, and Tanya talked about it when we talked about new EVs and concepts, you know, before we devoted more time to the Japanese market. It was the Hyundai Ionic 5, and it's now being titled as one of the best affordable electric cars yet. I have to take a pause here because I'm going to say something I didn't think I was going to say. I like I, this. It looks good. I like it a lot. And the more I read about it, the more I like it. It would be a hard, hard decision to make between this and the Maki, because I'd like the Maki as well, like the way it looks, especially in certain colors and things like that. Again, buying with my eyes. But I started to dive into the numbers a little bit, because I will be honest, you know, I'm not a dinosaur. I do love my petrol. I wanted to do a little bit of homework, because if this is one of, quote unquote, the best What's so good about it? So I wanted to dive into the numbers. I wanted to do some comparisons between the driving I've been doing this month with, you know, an older petrol car against something like this Ionic 5. And you can read all about the Ionic 5 in our show notes and, and we'll figure out how wonderful it is. But I want to get to a deeper conversation here. And so one of the things that I think has eluded us for a while when we talk about range anxiety and things like that is that there is no simple way to convert and compare a gallon of gas to unicorn farts, right? (laughs) And so I actually found there were some equations that were put out by Stanford about like EMPG and like how it converts, all this kind of thing. So I kind of boiled it back and I got down to a single very important number. One gallon of gasoline has 100% of the energy of 33.7 kilowatt hours. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, that's something tangible. I can work with this. So starting to break it down a little bit further. I'm not trying to go into a whole math lesson. So I'll kind of tell you what I discovered here and why this is this is important to the to the larger discussion and the future of EVs and, and how we grasp this as car enthusiasts, right? So thirty three point seven to one is the ratio. The Ionic Five has a seventy seven point four kilowatt hour battery. So you kind of look at that with like seventy seven. That's a low number. Hundred is good. Triple digits. You're like we think like horsepower, right? Bigger numbers are better. But in reality, 77.4 kilowatt hours is roughly equivalent to 2.3 gallons of fuel. So it has a 303 mile range. People start flipping out about that number. A lot of gas cars have about 300 miles of range. So they're trying to give you this equivalency. That's 2.3 gallons into 303 miles is an average of 132 miles per gallon. There is no gas motor or diesel motor on the planet right now that can achieve those numbers. I'm sorry. I, I finally have come to this realization. Okay, fine. Here's the downside. And it dawned on me in a conversation that I had with one of our previous guests, Crutch, who's been on the show a bunch of times. He has a Volkswagen ID4. He mentioned that his ID4 has the equivalent horsepower to about 225 gas horsepower. And I said, okay, wait, well, hold on a second. I took that back to the Hyundai again. And I said, okay, the Hyundai's single motor model manages 225 horsepower, just like the ID4, and 258 pound feet of torque, roughly the same as of two liter Volkswagen TDI. Now I know what that feels like. I know what that drives like. So whatever. The Ionic weighs almost 4,000 pounds. So that got me thinking like a racer power to weight ratio. So the power so to weight ratio of the Ionic is 92.96 because it gets all converted to watts per kilogram, right? And all this kind of thing. I, I wanted to know without going to drive one of these, what does it drive like? What's it going to feel like? Because it's a heavy car at the end of the day with, let's think about it as a small motor, not really about the battery or the range. So when I started to kind of back calculate and figure out what cars that were equivalent to this, I couldn't find something that was like right on the money. I could find things that were close and in my mind that I could wrap my head around the whole idea because I've driven these vehicles before. So let me put it in perspective for the listeners. A Pentastar 3.6 liter Jeep Grand Cherokee is roughly faster than this Hyundai. Also in that same category, the 2.0 turbo Audi Quattro Q5. So if you've ever driven one of those, you know, kind of CUV, SUV, then you have an idea of what this is roughly going to feel like. Obviously power delivery is different because the electric power plant, all this kind of stuff. Cool. So we kind of put that all in perspective. It's just like any other mid-size midsize SUV V6 or high strung turbo four cylinder. So then it got me thinking, well, how much is, would it cost to operate in general? So to fill it from zero is 11 bucks because the average in the US is 14.19 cents per kilowatt hour, right? So I just took the number and just multiplied it out. It's 11 bucks to fill from zero. And the driving that I've been doing this month, rough mileage and kind of figured it all out, it would basically cost me $18 a week to operate the vehicle, running the mileage that I ran, just basically charging the car every time I got home. And I ended up spending close to, with the current you know price of gas right now, I was up in the neighborhood of $100 in fuel. So the cost savings overall, better the upfront cost of the vehicle, obviously there's that. There's a lot of things to weigh in here, but if you're considering an EV or you're digging your heels in about how petrol's better, I kind of encourage you to sit back and do the math. And I'll, and I'll share my math in the, in the follow-on article if you want to take a look at it, just kind of how roughly I got. You can tell me I'm wrong too. I'm totally okay with it. I am not a scientist or a mathematician. Just an average Joe like you trying to figure out how this makes sense and what the future does look like. Okay. Thanks for joining my
1: TED Talk. The, my only thoughts on all that is, yes. Yeah, so you save, the savings came to $82 a week in your test case, $82 a week, so that's, what, $240 a month. Mm-hmm. How much is a car payment going to be on a $40,000 car? Yeah, that's, that's the part I didn't want to look at. As opposed to a vehicle you already own? Correct. Well,
0: that's the thing with any know, car purchase, though, right? Like, if you already have a car, it really makes no sense to ever change your car you you can never recoup
1: it right so unless you're in the market you're in the market for a new car if you are in the market
2: for a new car go electric but if you really want a wrx station wagon
1: move to australia
2: that's right because we're not going to get one sorry folks That's okay
0: this thing's but ugly
1: (laughs) what i was just thinking it looks hot take it looks just like the buick
0: that's what i yes (laughs) although i think the buick looks better
1: So Subaru is selling a Buick wagon in Australia with a CVT transmission. This thing is a waste of time. Why are we talking about it?
2: I I don't know. But you know what else is a waste of time? How about spending $111,000 on bring a trailer for a 2000 Acura Integra?
1: I'm going to defend this a little bit. Oh, please do. (laughs) No, I'm not defending $112,000, but this Integra, the engineering that went into This car, when Honda created it, is very similar to the amount of engineering and over-engineering that Toyota put into the Mark IV Supra as far as overbuilding the motor and and everything like that. This particular Integrate Type R model is actually a very special car. It still only had like 200 some odd horsepower or whatever it was, but Honda overbuilt the car and used special materials and, and engineering when they created the car. So I I say they are collector's items and they are worth something. I don't think it's worth $112,000, but I'm also not in the market.
2: I, I don't know what to say because I am a fan of front wheel drive cars, but I could never see spending this kind of money on the equivalent of basically a shit box. I mean, as good as it is Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
2: or was or whatever it's your point, it's still a 200 horsepower front wheel drive car that any other car in the year 2000 obliterated this thing. I can name 12 of them right now to include the E46 M3 and any 911 and, and just about anything is better than this. And you could buy one of those used right now, for less money or the same, like, especially the BMWs, E46, M3s, you know, they're starting to gain some traction on the used car market, but you can still buy a reasonably priced BMW from the 2000s and have a way
1: better car. Don't know if it's necessarily a way better car, maybe a way better driving car. But would... well,
0: hold on a second. Can't you buy a brand new Corvette for like 60 yes. grand?
1: Yes. No. So you could
0: almost, you could buy two almost. Well, dealer markup. Uh, Right. Dealer markup
1: is $60,000. You're right. $60,000 dealer markup.
0: Right. So you could buy one Corvette for the price of this Integra. Yeah. Yes. I mean, someone's buying this as a collector piece that has 6,600 miles on it. That's the only reason. It's clean.
1: It is. Otherwise, very, this thing is worth,
0: car. move the decimal point a couple places
2: over.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, these, these cars eleven $30,000, 30, 35000 when they were brand new, which was actually a lot of money in 2000.
2: I wouldn't have paid that then. I mean, it. I don't know. I, I, I'm wrong. I know, I know I'm wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> but you know, speaking of, of wrong, Toyota builds autonomous self-driving Supra. Why? They built it to test their autonomous driving capability,
0: which is pretty cool, actually, when you consider what they've done is they are autonomously drifting a car around a course. So it does know where the barriers are but it doesn't know how to navigate the barriers, So it navigates them drifting. So it's still able to negotiate the changing speeds and the changing traction by itself. So So, in terms of their technology capability, that's pretty cool.
1: But how many pedestrians did they avoid?
0: Well, they didn't hit the barriers.
1: (laughs) It's plus one
2: for Toyota. but, (laughs) But I love that we're excited about this. But isn't this the same thing Audi did like five years ago with the TT where they made it run on track at full speed with nobody driving it?
1: But driving under control is different than driving. Yeah. I mean, they
0: just, they just did a thing at the consumer electronics show too, where college kids or whoever they were, they took the Indy cars basically, and they made them self driving around the oval or whatever that they had set up in Nevada. So it's it's like, okay, but they had a fixed course they weren't trying to drift they weren't trying to be on the edge of traction
1: and yeah. control right i would rather be on a racetrack with this than andrew bank and fours a seven any day <laughs> just gonna put it out
0: i mean they're not saying this isn't about like oh the new supra is going to be autonomous and you'll be able to like drift no that's not the point it's just yes they use the supra to do this it's a testing apparatus for them to test autonomous driving and not just beta test it with people driving through San Francisco.
1: Had they done this with a Camry, we wouldn't be talking about it.
2: I mean, I'd still like to see a Camry drift. I think that would be pretty exciting. I mean, if you read
0: through the article, apparently someone's already done this with a DeLorean.
2: So I I did see that. Yeah. I mean, that's no. pretty, that's pretty cool. Come on now. The fact hey, that a, cool. a number, no, because you know why it's that's the cool? fact that, it's the fact suit fact suit that suit. it was capable of drifting. <laughs> there you go. Because a DeLorean weighs like 9,000 pounds. and makes like a hundred horsepower. Those things are like terribly underpowered. I know that's an exaggeration, but if you look at the power to weight numbers, not to go back into that math lesson around the DeLorean, it is terrible. Like it was not a joke in that movie. It struggles to get to 88 miles an hour. The top speed on a DeLorean is like 106. And I think it has to be going downhill with a semi-truck pushing it because it just it's so pathetic. Granted, I love those cars. I think they're fantastic. I'm not, I'm not hating on them. I am still waiting for my EV version to come out, but you know it's all good. But speaking of flux capacitors.
0: Apparently there's a recall on Hyundai's and Kia's. Anything from 2016 to 2018, the Santa Fe's, the Fae Sports, the Tucson's, the, Tucson, the Kias, yeah. in the same year range, even a little bit older, 24 to 2016, their Sportages are all being recalled because apparently there's a defect in the uh, anti-lock brake system, and something short circuits, and essentially they can turn into flaming balls of fire. And so it's being, and so it's being suggested strongly <laughs> recommended that you not park your vehicle inside a garage or, or anywhere that could light your house on fire as that is a potential. However, it is still perfectly safe to drive these down the road. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is becoming more common. Have you guys realized almost every month, even over the last course of season two, we've talked about Chevys that could spontaneously combust. There were uh, Toyotas, there was the Chryslers, the it's all a plot.
0: It's all a plot. EV, all a right? plot about the dangers of gasoline cars all they do is spontaneously explode all the time
2: in the combustion chambers you're right they spontaneously yeah never mind. <laughs> You know, I mentioned earlier about spotting cars in the wild, the Ford Taurus X and the Maverick were not the only things I saw on the road. I did see some interesting JDM cars. As I mentioned, I did see the Corolla Sport Hatchback. I thought it was really cool. I got to see that several times. That guy was easy to spot in traffic every day. And then I actually noticed something out of the corner of my eye and I sped up to take a look at it because I'd never seen one before. And I thought it was another Toyota Corolla Hatchback, but actually it was the Hyundai Elantra Sport, and if you haven't seen this car, it's like better than the Veloster. Not maybe performance wise, but it's more of like a GTI. I thought it was a good looking car. I was like, man, Hyundai's really putting out some neat stuff. We're not hearing about it, or maybe we're just not in that that circle, you know, of Korean cars and whatnot. But I, I kept looking. I kept looking. I was like, man, that's the coolest gti that hyundai's built yet so anyway yeah the hyundai elantra gt sport
1: there's an inline version as well like like an N, a gt yeah sport yeah N. that'd be kind of cool
2: that would be kind of cool and the Veloster N is a neat car i mean uh, the looks you got to get used to but performance wise i've said it before it's a really good performing car it's surprisingly good i think it would be a hard toss-up for me between that and the Civic Turbo. The Civic Turbo is a much bigger car, but the Veloster N is is actually a really capable vehicle. But you know what else I did see on the road? I saw the newest Prius. I say, angular. I don't understand it because the previous Priuses, they weren't beauty Queens by any stretch of the imagination. But what I don't get is the back. Like they took the previous Prius and it's like, they just grabbed it and squeezed it and yanked it and stretched it. And it's just like, you know, when you watch a kid with a marshmallow and it begs the question, why do they have to continue making it look so strange? Why can't the Prius just be, a Corolla sedan with an EV power plant in it. Like uh, with maybe some, I don't know, different wheels or something. Like why does it have to look so weird? It stands out. Maybe that's the point is people get people to go, Ooh, ah. ah." Now there was another, what I'd like to call Asian car on the road that I saw that I don't understand. And I say it's Asian because it's made by Tata and Tata is an Indian company. And it was the Jaguar I-Pace EV 400. I honestly felt like I could drive underneath of it. It was the back end was so tall. The rear glass was so short and so angled in that sort of like, uh, what do they call it now? The Atlas or whatever sport back thing where I don't even know why I had rear glass. It was, it's bizarre. Glad somebody bought one good for Jaguar that this thing's out there.
0: That back is like a nice bench.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You could definitely sit up there, but it's also flat, like a wall. You can
0: Eat your lunch on the back of it real nicely.
2: Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The birds will perch up there and poop down the side of it. It'll be perfect. So that wraps up our JDM news. So now we need to move into Brad's favorite section, lost and found. So what do we got this month?
1: I wanted to go ahead and go back to cars.com and see what the oldest they have categorized brand new vehicle you can buy is right now on the market. And as of today, you can purchase a brand new, again, it's categorized as brand new, 1988 Cadillac Deville base for a whopping $18,000. What? Yeah. (sighs) There's no picture. You know, we should send John Cafisi to this dealership because it's in his hometown. Oh, gray Chevrolet in Stroudsburg, PA. Uh, Another quote unquote, brand new car that they've listed is a 2005 Ford GT. If anybody remembers, that's when they brought back the GT the first time. Yep. It's got the uh, the 5.4 liter motor from the Ford Lightning, obviously souped up with the supercharger and all that good stuff uh, with a, a bigger supercharger and all that. 450 grand. It's a steal.
2: And it's low mileage because it never ran.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. This is Jeremy Clarkson's own. So it never ran. So no, it's got 13,000 miles. So that's actually probably high mileage for one of these cars.
2: It's like uh, some guys used to say, you know, you never buy a Jag that doesn't have high mileage because you know, it didn't run.
1: We've got put it in the bank. I tried convincing Andrew to buy this car. He was not interested. Sadly, I think he really should. He could use it. There is the cheapest Dodge Viper GTS on the internet right now. It's in Albuquerque, New Mexico for $16,000. It's a 2002 Dodge Viper GTS. (laughs) Basically back end. It starts at the windshield and goes back, but there's no motor. There's no anything with this car. I I mean, there's There's an exhaust. There's there's parts.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's like a bumper or something. I, I don't yeah, know. this
1: is like a, a, a what, did, what were those model kits? <laughs> the, the Tiesto model kits yep. or whatever they yep. were.
2: It's going to need a windshield though. That's a hundred percent.
1: I love that you're looking at this and you say it definitely needs a windshield. I I, I love that you focused. <laughs> well, I want to leave, these, I want to leave needs. something
2: to the audience's imagination because you definitely need to check this out in our show notes because Yeah, I definitely would not put this in the bank. That's for sure. I would save my pennies. I might almost buy that Chevy Spark instead of this Viper.
1: But if any of our listeners are on Instagram, please DM to the bank and make sure you DM this ad and let him know that it is still for sale and he should buy this because he does not have enough Dodge Vipers as it is right now.
2: thousand percent. And if you want to learn more about that, check out this month's episode with Havoc Performance all about vipers and andrew and his
1: vipers oh yes there is a geo metro oh our favorite car yeah this is a a fan favorite here at gtm this one's kind of special because it takes two fan favorites it takes the geo metro and it takes the ls conversion and it puts (laughs) them together so yes there is an ls swapped geo metro sadly it's not the convertible that would have been too perfect I was going to say, Jalopnik has the brown Volvo wagon. We've got the LS swap geometric convertible.
2: I want to know, is it still a geo with the Chevy badge or is it the Aveo? Is this that weird period? But none of that's important because- It
1: is a geo with the Chevy badge.
2: But what is important is when I scroll down to about the third picture and you see the view from the trunk, I, I just, I'm speechless. I don't even know how this works. I, let me describe it for the folks that are going to be like, you know, I'm not going to waste time looking at the article. Think of it this way. The motor's in the trunk, and it's in their transverse, and it's still an LS. I, I don't understand any of this.
1: Yeah, I don't think they ever mounted an LS motor transverse in any vehicle.
2: I'm trying to think what transmission this year. I mean, I, I'm spending way too much mental it- effort on this. That is was necessary.
1: It, was, it does have an automatic transmission though. It comes with the 4T80E from wow. a Cadillac. So I don't know. I, I don't know how they made it that maybe a custom bell housing. Andrew Bank, please buy this car too. it on top oh. of your Viper.
2: Oh, this is the best part. This car is listed for sale for a $7,000 firm
1: price. I know ticket. what I have. Okay, uh, okay. 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 All things considered, I would almost say that this car is worth buying it for the motor itself, except it's just a 5.3 liter. It's not not the six liter.
2: Okay. Let's back it up for one second before we move on. I want to know the conversation or the bet or what that started this? Like who literally said, I got it out there and pour LS in that geo out the backyard to waste the time and the resources and the effort and all the custom fabrication. I mean, unless this guy was bored, I don't understand.
1: Daniel, just, are you listening?
2: I can build it myself. I can build it better.
1: Daniel, uh, you need a motor for that BMW you bought.
2: With all that said, I think it's time we move on to random new EVs and concepts. And first up this month is an Alpha Wagon, but this is an Alpha ALFA as in Alpha Romeo. This is Alpha as in ALPHA, a brand none of us have ever heard of before. So, continuing on this whole thing that's been going on for the last couple of years in boutique brands, here's yet another one to the list. The clickbait got me at the wagon part. And then when I opened it, I didn't read it and click the close tab as fast as I could this thing is terrible
1: I think it's awesome what look looks wise it looks like a wagon Scirocco it looks like I took it and bent it over my knee I mean what is this thing I love the fender flares I love the back end I love the profile of the whole there, thing. Oh. sign me up oh I love the off-road version down below the stubby tires there's worse
0: things than this. I think it could be cleaned up. A couple lines could be cleaned up on it. The side profile reminds me of like something from decades ago, a Volvo maybe. I don't know something. Just, yeah, at
1: the, the corners, I, it does remind me of something old school, but it looks really cool. Yes, it looks like. Yes, I see it's right. curved.
0: This the surfboard on the top that's curved. It follows a curvature. You can tell. It looks bent.
1: It's, it's just, a coupe. <laughs> Oh, they, they, coupe.
0: they need to pull the nose forward so it doesn't triangulate back. That's what's drawing the line weird because that's not even a very steep hood compared to.
2: No, it, it's not. I things. mean, the, the back is reminiscent of some older Astons, in my opinion, from the side, from the straight, straight on view of the back. It's just kind of blah. I mean, it has those four round lights, like an old Ferrari. It, it has inspiration from different vehicles but i don't know that we needed to marry an outback with the ferrari station wagon and whatever that front end is off of a you know off of a dasher it's never going to get built let's be serious who the hell is alpha that isn't alpha a male
1: well, before we move on i will say alpha is taking reservations for this car at what dealer network the same dealer network as tesla oh, okay. www.alpha.com probably
0: well if you're interested in in other EVs that aren't cars, but trucks and other workhorses, if you will. There's a car and driver article that goes through a long list of other EVs that we didn't even know were coming. So there's a bunch of different buses or vans, things of that nature. Apparently, Amazon has a deal with Rivian delivery trucks.
2: They're so cute.
0: They're very futuristic. They're very cute looking. There's even Honda has a work vehicle that's It looks like they look like the things that run around the airports. I don't know what you you call those, but the little guys, the guys drive them pulling the luggage and all that kind of stuff. The interesting one on here too, is the John Deere autonomous tractor.
2: (laughs) That looks like a Pokemon. Like I was like, (laughs) what is this?
0: Looks so weird. It's got like, alien thing coming out the front. I don't know.
2: It's
1: bizarre.
0: (laughs) There's some off-road snowmobiles, the Polaris. It's got an EV, which just sounds frightening. looks like they're out in the Arctic. I hate to have that battery die.
2: The Polaris, they didn't do a whole lot. They put a EV in an existing Polaris. And sure. it's like, all right. well, no, yeah, it, it
0: looks like any other one. And then the, the last one is interesting is the Freightliner tractor trailer. It looks like it's out of Tron. <laughs> that
2: thing is awesome. I know it's an appearance package, but I, I'm in love with that tractor trailer for the Tron livery that's on. it. I think it's cool. I will uh, say I was delighted to see a brand returning to the list. We talked about them last month and that's our friends over at Canoe. They yeah. have it, MPDV, whatever that stands for. This is a vehicle that I built when I was five years old out of Legos. It does. It one it
0: brick does.
1: and four wheels.
0: It does. It's a very, it's very utilitarian I like Deli- the delivery truck, I guess, is what you would use it for. I mean, it's, it could be a lifestyle purpose. vehicle. It could be a minivan or, or light duty. So it,
1: Yeah, MPDV is multi-purpose delivery vehicle. Give it some some knobby tires, lift it a little bit. And there
0: you go. go. Take it off-road. Mm-hmm. Hashtag you know van life, take it camping. Yeah, hashtag Van Life. Speaking of utilitarian vehicles. So we've talked about before Bollinger, another, you know, off-brand that nobody's ever heard of. And they were coming out with the B one and, and the B2. And basically it looks like a really utilitarian Hummer. The pickup truck's not any better. Well, apparently they've pulled in the plug on this and they won't be bringing these to production as they said they would. Instead, I, I guess they're kind of shifting their focus to the platform that they develop. It's not clear who they might be partnering with. I guess whatever this platform they've developed is at least good enough to have that keep going and, and partner with other people. So they're going to focus on that side of the business versus you know designing this horrifically ugly SUV and pickup truck.
1: And this is what I used to always say that Tesla should have done is they should have designed and perfected an electric vehicle platform and then sold it to all the other manufacturers to put their own body on top of.
2: That's the same model that Mercedes did with the Sprinter vans and why they sold them to everybody under the sun and why there's a Freightliner and a Dodge and a this and a that. That's the model. And I think that makes sense. We just talked about these vehicles last month, you know, hot to trot on the EV list of EVs to get. And now it's already dead. I became completely disenfranchised and I went straight to the comments looking for some levity in all of this. And I found my favorite troll post thus far, which is don't feel bad about the loss of the B1 and the B2. If you really want one, just check out your local Lego store for $39.99 plus (laughs) tax. I I very much enjoyed that. So that that made the the article that much more worth it. But
0: sadly, Bollinger B2 pickup or Cybertruck? Because I'm leaning towards this Lego truck.
2: (laughs) You know, I have to agree with you on that, but there's something else I would lean completely towards. And I think that's the new Rivian.
0: That is a handsome, and you know me, I'm not a fan of pickup trucks.
1: (laughs) Okay, so here's a question for you. Which one are we going to see first? If this that we already know is suspended or... The cyber truck which one hits production first Ooh, it's hard <laughs> that's hard to say the the
2: bollinger has regular windshield wipers so you know it might it come has out first. three of them it's got, three them. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an extra one. It's,
1: it's got,
0: it's oh, got that one was their mistake, mistake that's why they've had to pull the plug on this end. one one that's extra true. windshield wiper
2: <laughs> we want to talk about the rivian other than the way it looks
0: i think it's a handsome little pickup truck I I mean, I think it does a good, it it looks like a pickup truck and that's what I kind of want to see with these electric pickup trucks. I want them to remind me that it's a pickup truck, not an N64 game. (laughs) but then it changes the style enough with the front and the lights that it has that futuristic EV
2: vibe to it. I like it, but I like it in the same way I like my Jeep in that it looks like a little hippopotamus and that's okay. Because it does, right? With those big those big nostrils in the front, it looks like a hippo, but that's okay. It's proportioned well. What I think is deceiving about the pictures is that this is probably the same size as the Maverick. I could be wrong. I don't think it's a 1500. I think it's slightly smaller. And if GM is involved with Rivian, this might be like a Jimmy, it might be that smaller, the S10 or the, the resurgence of the S10 or something like that. I'm okay with all of that. But to your point, I like it as well. What bugs me though, is this latest ad campaign on the Rivian site because it feels like we are following in the Bronco's footsteps, talking about the goat modes and all this stuff and the eight modes and the trains and this and that. And I'm like, let's just sell a truck.
0: I didn't take it that way. I thought it was an interesting video because I think, okay, Bronco board, they're doing it for their goat mode. But I think to some extent- Someone making an electric pickup truck has to come out with a video like this because everyone who is a pickup truck enthusiast is going to be like, what a piece of crap. You're not going to take that off the road with electric motor, blah, blah, blah. And they have to demonstrate, right? And they're not doing anything really fuck wild from a layperson's perspective. You know, Brad, you can correct me because you're more off road. I think it showcased well that it's going to be competent in different types of terrain. And I think they need to do that. I think they need to show that to people.
1: Yeah, it shows that it's as good off-road as any other standard pickup truck without any major off-road modifications or anything. One kind of impressive thing is when it does a little bit of rock crawling, just because of the, I guess the approach angles are that of, you know, very similar to a Bronco or a Jeep. At least on the front, the back end departure angle is not very good because the, the bumper hangs off so far. I agree with Tanya. It's to put the naysayers to rest before they can naysay.
2: <clears throat> um, I'm going to put it this way. When Tanya decides to go test for, drive one, I will go with her and it will be a pleasant experience. But you know what it's not going to hold a candle to? The next car on our list that we want to talk about. The Fiat it, Panda. Sh- that The Hey, that's a little mountain goat. It's big, bad granddaddy is this Land Rover Defender that has been converted to an EV. And I know there's a lot of people that are against doing that. This is a classic, you know, kind of old school Defender. This thing is bad ass. This is the off-roader of off-roaders right here, right? that You can still fix with a spoon and a dull knife. This is cool. You got to check this article out, guys. I mean, it just looks awesome. It is awesome. I mean, if you're a fan of Landy's, this is the way to go right here. I, I don't see I mean, any you, fault with this. You
1: you aren't totally wrong by being able to fix it with a, a sharp spoon and a dull knife because you can fix the Tesla power plant at Home Depot <laughs> with some copper wire and, and, you know, a plastic tub and some, some wood bits.
2: Now, this is a Tesla conversion, so you can pull up to any Tesla charging station and all that kind of thing. But this is really cool, you know, if you ask me, I would rather... Spend the kind of money that people are spending on converting old Astins and stuff like that, you know, to EV on something like this. And the interior, this, this thing is beautiful.
0: This is three hundred thousand dollars
2: again for the money that is being spent. On the you could get
0: bike, a Ferrari SUV in two years
2: and a Corvette, even with a markup <laughs> charge. But it's not a Landy, and this thing's pretty badass.
1: You could buy twenty Chevy Sparks. All right. Well, we would be remiss. Dun, dun, dun. This is a great segue into we would be remiss, I would say. Yes.
0: So speaking of Tesla Motors. And we alluded to this, I think, last month when we mentioned how suddenly you couldn't put place orders anymore on the Cybertruck and whatnot, but it has now been officially confirmed that there will be no production in 2022 of the Cybertruck, the Roadster, or the Semi. They are going to apparently be focusing all their attention on full self-driving that's going to be, quote, better than a human.
2: Asterix and Elon's new rocket so he can go into space. Which
0: is ironic when the news this week has been showing footage, I guess it was finally released, of a Tesla crash from I think like a year ago where it got confused by the police blinking lights and it just sideswiped a cruiser that was parked on the side of the road, nearly taking out the two officers that were standing next to it on the side of the road, mind you. A lot of anybody, damage.
1: Anybody out there that's looking for a Cybertruck, I have for sale a day one reservation. Reach to me with the, your best offer. No, low $1 I know what I have. $1, Bob. $1. No, it has to be at least a 100 of those.
2: So
0: on your uh, pre-order that you placed on your Cybertruck, let's pretend one day you actually get it. Are you going to try and see if you can get a little add-on feature to it? A little bit of... Uh, little bit of mood setting in your cybertruck as you're cruising down the
2: road yeah yeah brad are you gonna are you gonna play with your butthole i think you mean tickle
1: and no
0: (laughs) so you would not be interested in in the turn on butthole i mean sorry turn on tesla mic feature that uh can be offered with your tesla and turn your car into a karaoke machine
1: (laughs) wait what Have you all heard my voice? I do not have a voice for singing or karaoke. So no, I know you've got that deep.
0: baritone
1: yes yes but not quite he could have a barbershop quartet in his tesla so that's that's perfectly
2: perfect yes he'd be back there boom 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 (laughs) boom i mean apparently like we're
0: just late to the party here it's not offered in the u.s this is something offered in china software update feature something 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 like that and you can order special microphone with tesla written on it and then yeah apparently you can Karaoke in your car. I have nothing against karaoke. It's, it's very fun. I don't know why you would be driving down the road and karaoke because that implies a lot of times you're reading the lyrics to songs you're, you're less familiar with because you can karaoke already in your car. Without a microphone. I mean, uh, this, this, I mean, is
1: needed. this is needed because Tesla owners realize that the last thing they want to actually do is drive a Tesla. So they try to do everything else under the sun so they don't have to. Tesla is also celebrating an anniversary, right?
0: Yes, it is. And not being under the sun, but sort of around the sun.
1: <laughs> around it.
0: Hun- hundreds of millions of miles away, I guess, but closer. The Roadster was launched this week. Four years ago. So the Roadster and Spaceman are still out there orbiting.
1: Waiting for service at their local.
0: Waiting to be crash landed back, I guess, eventually. I don't know. There's nothing useful. No useful information to gain by like, I think, positioning any telescopes or anything to like check what this thing is doing. So nobody has. So but they are speculating that it's probably been like wrecked a few times in the sense that like asteroids or other meteors or objects have like hit it.
2: I don't want to see that.
0: I know. So now I'm like, can we please turn a a telescope in his direction or something? Can we see if there's like door panels missing or the the spaceman is? What if the spaceman
2: has like no head? He's just. Oh my
1: gosh! (laughs) So I can't tell you what it looks like right now, but I can tell you where it is, and it is two hundred thirty-four million six hundred seventy-five thousand seven hundred sixty miles from Earth moving away from Earth at a speed of 2,455 miles an hour. And it is 197,769,713 miles from Mars. Technically, I guess
0: it has a record of most miles traveled because it's traveled like 2 billion miles almost. I'm
1: I'm sorry, Porsche, but it also has the elevation, the longest elevation change. So you lose again to Tesla. But I will say this car is no longer within its 36,000 mile factory warranty so if you have to replace the battery you might as well just blow it up
2: did they shoot it into space with the hazard lights on because that would have been so awesome just like blinking
1: away no but the radio was playing you know David Bowie so
0: pretty sure that cut out a couple years ago
1: yeah I was gonna say cut out when it left the
2: atmosphere yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, my expectations have been thoroughly lowered. What else is in the news?
1: I do have one expectation that I want to explain. It's a more of a PSA about the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I think last month I panned the way the new Jeep Grand Cherokees look saying that they were too long and they looked stupid and I didn't like them or whatever. I will say that I have seen more of them on the road. And the more that I see the new Grand Cherokee, granted, I'm not talking about the Wagoneer. I think I've only seen one Wagoneer on the road, but I have seen several of the Grand Cherokees and I'm coming around on their design. I'm starting to like them more. I've seen them the different trim packages, a little bit bigger wheels, some Navier tires. They definitely look, I'm starting to come around on the design, so. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I
2: mean, after a while of seeing so many Geico caveman commercials, decided that he was charming. Cute, you know, it's the same thing with the Grand Cherokee. It's got this weird, it's the grill because it bends back in on itself. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's odd. Like it hasn't grown on me yet. But then again, I, I've seen a bunch of them in the wild. I, I mentioned it last month when we talked about it. I mean, good for Jeep. I almost wish that the Cherokee Nation had come through and said, do not call this a Cherokee because I don't feel it should wear the badge. Right. It, it feels like it's a step away, especially with the three rows It should just be the Wagoneer. I I don't know. It's my personal opinion,
1: but... They should just bring back the Commander name. That seems to be what a lot of people are doing when they move from Native American names to...
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, the other thing I did see... To your point about the Grand Cherokee, I also happen to see the new Cherokee on the road, kind of the smaller version. They've made it bigger. It's more like the old Grand Cherokee, not nearly as big. It's not bad. It's proportioned well. They got rid of the you know the three headlights and all this crazy stuff that was going on. They continue to refine it. They're playing a little badge engineering, I feel like, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Who knows, right?
0: You ever get tired of driving in traffic, just wish you could you know, yes. have a helicopter? And- yes, Just zoom to where you need to be, avoid all the the congestion. Well, look out, another disruptor on the way. Thinking EVs are the future. Well, what about the air car? No. (laughs) What about a car that transforms into a small aircraft so you can take off, take
2: flight, get to your destination, land back down,
0: convert back into a car, and drive that final distance?
2: How many times is this idea? going to come up in the history of the automotive world and never get off the ground like but they've been trying this since the 60s
0: it's been successful because it has passed the slovak transport authorities rigorous flight <laughs> testing in slovakia Oh, okay. which that testing is equivalent just for anybody who's in doubt equivalent sorry compatible with the European Aviation Safety Agency standards. So we're on to something here.
2: How big is the no fly zone in Slovakia?
0: Also, this thing is powered by BMW engines. Does that change your mind?
1: Yeah, because then it will fall out of the sky halfway through flight. Well, we know it's an inline motor, so we're good there. <laughs>
0: bad enough driving and having to worry about the person next to you the person behind you the person in front of you the deer that could run out and now you have to worry about the person above you (laughs) i mean this is great reason to have a moonroof so that you can be constantly checking above you to see if an air car is going to fall on your head (laughs)
1: Well, when we get a little further into this episode, we're going to hear more about you having to worry about the people above you anyway. But I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, how does it convert? Where are the wings? I don't get it. It's a helicopter. It's called a helicopter. And I see a picture of it without wings, but I don't see... You get out and you pull the
0: panel off and then it has a track that you slide it in the back in the trunk.
1: I trust an aviation Uh, device that I've put together. Yes, that's exactly what I want. It's just
2: like those guys in Japan where you see them walking away from the train station with their 11 by 17 briefcase and it suddenly turns into a mountain bike. There's nothing else in the briefcase. I don't know where the wheels were stored or anything else, but it's
1: just like that. It's <laughs> just like that, except it's nothing like that. hundred <laughs> percent. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to retire this thought. We're going to put a pin in it and we're going to invite
2: our guests to jump on a special Patreon mini-sode where we continue this conversation completely unfiltered for your enjoyment to not suck up the entirety of the drive-thru. We implore you to jump over to patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports to continue that conversation. Well, I think it's time that we move on to Rich People things. I don't know if this is really Rich
0: People things, but we've lumped it under this category. For anyone who's a fan of Lego, which, okay, I mean, some Lego sets are definitely a Rich People thing, but they have a Speed Champions line in the Lego brand, and they've come out with a new lineup in 2022. So if you're looking to add to your collection, This year we'll be releasing the Lotus Evija, the Lamborghini Countach, the 1970 Ferrari 512M, the Mercedes-AMG F1 W12E Performance alongside the Mercedes-AMG Project 1. I think that's two in one set. And then the Aston Martin Valkyrie AMR Pro along with the Aston Martin Vantage GT3 in one set together
2: that's a heck of a lineup there
0: these range about twenty dollars for the single but the when they're in the two pack it's thirty or forty dollars
2: I forget the scale like they're almost like, they're like 124th. So they're about six, seven inches long, not as big as a 118 scale car. So it's actually a good size model if you're not interested in, you know, die casts or anything like that. And if you want to play Legos or whatever, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I have a couple myself. I haven't unboxed them yet. They are pretty neat. I'm glad to see that Legos putting some more attention and effort into supporting the motorsports community with Legos. I think it's pretty neat.
0: So the other rich people thing, which I definitely opinion, rich people thing or not, I think it is cyber quad for kids. Cyber what, huh? Tesla, yes.
1: Cyber Wad.
0: Quad, four-wheel ATV. And it's cyber. So it's got the look of the cyber truck. So it's the cyber quad. And obviously it's battery-powered, electric. It's got the lithium-ion battery. It has 15 miles of range, top speed of 10 miles an hour. It's suitable for eight years old and up. These are no longer available. They're out of stock right now.
2: I well, think they just start in stock
0: they were they were they started shipping out the end of 21 in december so i believe people have already started receiving them you can actually go on ebay people are already trying to resell them for more but what do you think this costs this power wheels
2: pow power wheels how many Doge coin do I need to spend to buy this?
0: You say that, but the item number on this is 14135 Doge.
2: <laughs> so then it's, it's 1,400, 135 Doge. That's how much it costs.
0: Okay. Well, then I guess the equivalency in uh, USD is 1,900.
2: What? Actually, for a quad, is that right on par, Brad? What do you think? No. No? What's a quad cost a quad. these days? Yamaha or something. What do they cost?
0: So the top one to get the Razer, I believe, the Razer Dirt Quad, which does also does 10 miles an hour, is $700. Wow, okay. And it's an electric ATV.
2: That's a bit of a dealer markup there on that.
0: So uh, I'm not sure what you're getting for $1,900 that you couldn't get in the Razer.
2: Well, you're getting the actual Cyber Quad.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, you're getting a Tesla product for your kid.
2: So I want to know how the wiper blades work on this
0: have wiper blades
2: oh perfect excellent excellent
0: work. it doesn't need them it doesn't have a windshield
2: so on our special breakaway mini-sode of this particular drive-through we talked about all sorts of crazy people and driving in the city but i think we have to return to our normal crazies down in florida
0: you know and in defense of florida we love you um, just as we love every state i did try <laughs> To find news out of other states, I tried really hard. I looked through a lot. And unfortunately, once again, a lot of the good stuff is coming out of Florida, you know? I can't help that, okay? Can't hold me responsible for this completely. It's not all Florida news. I'm going to save... There's some good ones that have not come out of Florida, actually. Not come out of the United States. Spoiler alert. So we'll get to those. But we'll start with this guy. You know, this is like the stupid criminal file. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You, you clearly have done something wrong because you have an ankle monitor and you're out and about in the red side by side. And then you start knocking on people's doors because your ankle monitor battery is running low. So, of course, you need to get that bad boy charged back up because if it runs out of juice, suddenly the alarms are going to go off and the Popo going to come after you, right? Well, you know, I guess people started reporting like, hey, this, you know, dude's coming around. Yeah, you know, that side by side, was stolen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he got arrested trying to charge his ankle monitor up while going uh, around on a stolen I'm, I'm thinking his original felony was probably also Grand Theft, but yeah, hey. He one. also
1: has an extensive history including battery, burglary, and Grand Theft. He's a stand-up
0: guy, stand-up guy. You know, He's just misunderstood.
1: He's a class act.
0: Now this next one also involves some, some Grand Theft, but a little bit of a different spin. So, you know, people like to go out and party, and it's Florida, there ain't no rules. So, hey, everything's open. So, you know, you're out at the bar late one night doing as you do. Unfortunately, you've had a few too many, and the responsible person would pick up the phone, although maybe they've used it as a sun visor too many times during the day, and, you know, the battery is dead. I don't know you'd call an uber get you home no this guy you know upon exiting drunk he couldn't find his car and you're thinking yes you shouldn't be driving anyway no 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 this guy's a problem solver can't find his car let me just steal a car and go look for my car in the stolen car (laughs) (laughs) but while i steal this car and I believe it was like, what was it? Was it a Honda Fit? So anyway, he steals this car, proceeds to, I don't know, stall it somehow on a railroad track, and then a train comes along, <laughs> and the train hits the car and launches it into somebody's house. And this is at night. Whoa. So as the picture shows, this car is like up on its tail, smashed, demolished by the train in the side of this person's house. And then he proceeds to run away on foot. <laughs> vandalizes a fruit cart and then tries to steal
2: wait 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 wait. how does one vandalize a fruit cart
0: he vandalized the fruit stand and then he stole the forklift that was
2: at the fruit stand and tried to get away because the money was in the banana stand that's why
1: (laughs) he's saying vandalize not sodomize
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's brutal But he told the cops, he made sure to let them know that he was looking for his stolen car. It's
1: all good, it's all good, it's all good. He flagged
0: them down to tell them he was looking for his stolen car. (laughs) So it's all okay.
2: Where's my car? It's because two wrongs make a right, right?
0: Oh my goodness, I don't know where people... Too too, too much too much to drink that person had, apparently.
1: Not enough okay. to drink that person had. That person Sandal- should have had enough to drink. <laughs> Florida. Florida
0: people in general, I guess apparently are gonna get very disappointed here pretty soon because I think up until very recently, Florida is one of the few states remaining that essentially doesn't have rules around what you can write on your vanity plate. Oh no. And so now they're changing their minds on that and they're going to regulate it, might be recalling people's tags that are already out there. And they've already denied 500 applications last year, I guess, when they started cracking down on bad vanity plates. And, and some of them, it's like, okay, clever, 2020, WTF, FU 2020, okay, haha, uh-huh. And okay, slow POS, shitbox was another one. Like... <laughs> all right, you're just having commentary on yourself. I don't know. And then they just get a little bit weird. You know, there's some political commentary ones in there. Then there's drug man. I don't think you should probably be advertising for (laughs) your possibly illegal habits. Um, That's that's marketing. Marketing, right? Dead AF. Not sure what that is supposed to signify. I mean, killer. Here's another one that could be marketing for themselves. Not in a good way. Fat AF. FTBSTRD.
2: It's fat bastard
0: yep fk diet <laughs> okay <laughs> these people are like personally attacking themselves it's very strange then the weirdest one
1: <laughs> t bundy like oh. really I get this one though. I get it though. Volkswagen Beetle.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to give the shout out to the girls over at Sinisterhood. You need to listen to the Ted Bundy episode or multiple episodes on Ted Bundy. So this all gets explained on their podcast and that is, that is clever, but also creepy.
0: They didn't say that it went on a Brown Volkswagen. They're saying how creepy would it have been had the application been on a I I skipped. I skipped. No, I,
2: oh and then i wonder if okay yeah reading but yes
0: creepy so yeah apparently they're cracking down on, on that so can't imagine what the other plates that have gone through in the past must say
1: way to go florida way to try and class things up
0: well apparently there's some other states that are buck wild already so
1: there's a tag idea right there buck wild buck
0: wild that's safe though there's something bad about that i don't think <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go north to our Canadian friends. Oh, the Canada ones
2: are always good. You know,
0: because they always, I think so much better of Canadians. And then when I see stuff like this, I'm just like, Canada. Oh, Canada. It's all all like Letterkenny. It's Letterkenny.
2: (laughs) (sighs) It's not. I'm a kid. I love Canada. I enjoy visiting there.
0: This woman somehow, bless her heart, ends up some sort of frozen water body. I think a river. She ends up on this river in her bright yellow scion. From what I can tell in that picture. But then the ice breaks. And so the car starts sinking. Now you think a sane person would be like, time to get the F.O. G-T-F-O, this thing. No, no, no. She stands on the back of the car, proceeds to take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> As everybody else is trying to like come to her rescue and call police and do whatever. She's just chilling as her car sinking, taking selfies.
2: I mean you gotta capture the moment. That's for the gram, as Brad said, for the Graham. What other time in your life would you get the opportunity to stand on a sinking scion and take a picture of yourself?
0: I mean, you know, this one Twitter person, I think, summarized it pretty well. You know, she captured the moment with a selfie while people hurried and worried to help her. Like <laughs>
2: Yeah, 100%. They but the just point, left her there. But then the best part is it's like inception, right? Because there's a picture of some other person with their cell phone taking a picture of her on her cell phone doing the selfie thing. So it's like this cascading failure for the gram.
0: I have saved the absolute best, I think for last. I think this has got to be tops. And this comes from our friends across the pond in the UK.
1: Oh. We're apparently
0: an Englishman's home is his castle and that pretty much stands up in court as defense really so this man who's got this estate farmland or whatever he's a farmer
2: not jeremy Clarkson.
0: fourth generation hill farmer this man cutting to the chase he uses essentially a telehandler So like a forklift, telehandler with a fork on the front end. So like a a forklift. And he flips and pushes some guy's car off his property that refused to move his car out of his driveway. Watch the video. There is a video of it. This is epic. This dude's car got like a flat or broke down, asked him repeatedly to move. The driver, I think, didn't get into an altercation. But this other dude that was his friend showed up who was drunk and shirtless and like allegedly punched the guy first, which I guess he was like, nope, forklift telehandler thing. I'm gonna take care of y'all. And He pushed it out into the road, (laughs) turned it onto (laughs) the side of the road and just like left it there.
2: That is awesome
0: and he was taken to court but the charges were all dismissed because he was protecting his his castle
1: oh before we move on did you all watch the end of the video he hit the guy with the forklift oh yeah
0: yeah well he turned the forklift and the guy was standing there
1: yeah no he he hit the guy with the forklift yeah the guy was standing there he knew the guy was standing there and he turned the the, the forklift pretty rapidly. More power to him. You know what? Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, I think it's time that we go behind the wall for some motorsports
2: news. So, what's going on in the world of NASCAR? Time not something you usually report about.
0: No, um, it's just something that came across Netflix apparently on the twenty second of February. They're going to be airing a docu series. It's six episodes. It's called Race Bubba Wallace. So, it's um, a docu series on the NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace and his nascar journey thus far not really much other information in in the preview for it but one can only imagine
2: well maybe we'll have to take a look at it and talk about it in the next drive through right but speaking of other dramas on television what about formula one what's going on over there brad what's the big news
1: uh all the manufacturers are or all the teams are releasing their new 2022 cars i think haas was the first team to do it and yeah i mean all the cars pretty much look the same they're all cool i I believe the wheels are bigger i mean the tires are bigger than they have been previously so that should help so i'm just going to wait and see how they perform on in some way make the racing more exciting we're going to go ahead and see we
2: always say that every year i hear that phrase we're going to make the racing more exciting has that ever
1: proven to be true since Bernie Ecclestone or Ecclestein, whatever his name is, is no longer in charge. And that other guy, sports or whatever, t- took it over. They have made some improvements. And actually, this year is the first year where they implemented a lot of different changes, especially to the cars and stuff. So I think it could be good. Last year, they were, they were playing around at a lot of the races with the sprint race as a qualifying race. I think that was really cool. Inadvertently, or with without their even trying, some of the races ended up almost in like a reverse grid because of red flags and stuff like that on the restart, which was super exciting. That wasn't anything that they actually did. It was just kind of a coincidence thing. They are trying to make changes. Some of them make it more exciting, but it depends on what you're looking for in racing some of our f1 fans hate the idea of the sprint race because it takes away from the, qual- the actual qualifying and, and it adds nothing really it, it discourages someone from actually trying to qualify you know and have the fastest lap i'm gonna watch anyway i like f1 racing i think it's much more exciting than that bit indie car i thought the new
2: formula cars were indie cars they really look similar that i mean they, i have looked at
1: they look identical but they are, i mean they the
2: mclarens identical. the astons i was like man that's a cool livery on that indy car you guys got there and like whatever but to your point about making the racing more exciting and, and the changes my hot take on this is if you want the racing to be more exciting get rid of all this balance of power nonsense what the people want what the fans want is not everybody to be the same this isn't go-kart racing this isn't even nascar for that respect and nascar i think should change too. let people build their cars we're going to talk about here with rolex and actually we should probably maybe transition to rolex at the same time you know when they did the balance of power on the corvettes if you can't build a car that competes build a better car stop penalizing everybody if you're hitting if you're following the marks of the rules
1: Build a better car. The only caveat to that is I would say institute some sort of budget to keep some of that. I mean, there's a huge disparity in the amount of money that some of these race teams have. Like obviously the factory teams like Mercedes are going to have a significant budget compared to a team like Haas.
2: Why don't we split F1 down the middle and do like they did in WRC where it's WRC1 and WRC2. So there's F1A and F1B.
1: It's essentially what it is. There's the, the best and then the best of the rest. But that's an unofficial thing. It's not official. Yeah, um, but yeah, I would I would agree with that. That's-
2: but 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 look at it this way: if it was cheaper for Williams to develop like they did in the seventies, like a six-wheeled Formula car and have it be a V twelve, let them do it. Who cares? Like this whole cookie cutter, everybody's got the same car with different skin on it. It doesn't do anything for me. This is why I stopped being interested in Formula One was right after the V10 era where all the cars were basically the same. And, and, and during the V10 era, it was, it was still different enough. Ferrari still had their motors. BMW had their motors. Renault had their motors. And they were all different enough and they performed differently. Some were better than others, to your point. Ferrari has deep pockets, you know, things like that. But once they decided to make all the F1 cars cookie cutter, I'm done. I checked out. I don't care. I see that in a lot of other racing and it, and it hurts me because I think it takes away from the technological progression. It takes away from the ingenuity. It takes away from the originality. And when you're looking at the cars, you're like, well, what's the difference between the Aston and the Honda? There should be a clear delineation between what they are and what they're capable of. Not the same thing
1: here it is it's, it's so there is a team spending caps down to 140 million from 175 oh. in 2020 oh damn is that all to, to help level the playing field for smaller teams like Haas as they go up against outfits with relatively unlimited resources like Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull which used to spend upwards of 400 million annually so yes they're instituting that as well as all these other changes to kind of more here's the
2: underdog story right Ferrari spends 400 million and they get their butts handed to them by Williams who can only spend 175 so who who? Who cares? Let them spend a billion dollars if they want to, but build a better mousetrap, figure out a way to do it. And and you know where it comes from? The better engineers are the ones that do more with less. That's been proven time and time again. The cars that succeed are the ones that were built with less. And they got more out of them than the folks that had deep pockets. That's the Porsche story. That's the early Italian sports car stories where they didn't have anything and they built from nothing. So I think we've, we've gone away from that and it, it, it takes away from the racing in my opinion, because it's like watching a video game. Right. And and we'll talk about that in a minute too. I want to talk about Rolex before we transition to some WRC news. I mentioned the you know, balance of power. A couple of times we, we talked about the Corvette. I thought that was, I hate to say, sort of pathetic like I really felt bad for team Corvette. I don't know why they were trying to like, or they were forced to step down to meet the new rules or whatever. Maybe the Corvette's in this weird gray area where it should really be like a GT2 car, which doesn't exist. You know, this kind of, thing. I, I, I just felt like, meh, it didn't really help. The, the field was bigger than it's been in a number of years, but I also wasn't impressed. I'm not happy with this LMP3 thing. It just feels like there's more of the same cars on the track and there's no variation in, in, on the theme, you know, stuff like that. What'd you think, Brad, at least of the lineup and stuff like that for Rolex? Uh,
1: I thought the top level was fun. It was fun yeah. to watch. The, the, product, the DPI class was a lot of fun. Uh, I give you that. The, the Acuras and the Cadillacs go at each other. That was cool. Corvette. I don't know because I, I don't know if I fully understand the rule changes with that. It was my understanding that both the GTD and the GTT Pro cars are basically classed the same now. The only difference is the driver's skill, really, if that's the case. I mean, again, with the balance of power or balance of performance or whatever, whatever it is, I haven't looked too much into it and how it affected Corvette this race. I don't know. Overall, I thought the race was fun to watch, the bits that I did watch. The yeah. end with the 911s was insane.
2: The front of the pack end of the race wasn't nearly as important as the battle between those two 911s. That was legitimately awesome racing. Those last 18 minutes where they're battling back and forth, bump drafting, pushing each other and inevitably it ends in a cloud of smoke and disappointment. It was It was epic. The the front of the pack, I could have cared less what was happening between Acura and Cadillac and all that stuff because that race was already over. By the time the second place car had dropped back a couple seconds, I was like, they're never going to make that up. And I'm glad the cameras turned their attention to the GTLM cars because that was was exciting. I waited 23 hours and 40 minutes for that 20 minutes of action. And and it's a shame that it had to come at that point. And there was cool stuff that happened in the middle of the night. But I think the thing that made the race, a complete drag was these extended yellows. And I watched most of the race. I only got a couple hours of sleep. And so I was, I was tuned in for a lot of it. It was incredible. I think there were over 20 yellows in the whole race, but they like went on forever. And it was just like, what are we still doing under yellow? And then we come out of yellow and then we go into another yellow and it's like, Oh, we crud. And it, it just, there were parts of the race that were just painful, but that, that ending definitely made up the difference you know going back to the balance of power i felt bad for corvette and this isn't a slight against lexus but when the lexuses are walking away from the corvettes i was like something's wrong either cars are busted or whatever and, and again it's not a slight against lexus but it's just that lexus has been riding that same car for what feels like forever and i'm sure they've made advances and whatever but i don't want to say that the lexus isn't competitive but it's not winning gtlm the front runners have been porsche and corvette and bmw and things like that they're always just sort of there, but to see the Corvette just getting walked by the Lexus, which is tried and true, you know, it's kind of always there. Like I said, it, it just, it hurt a little bit to see that. And I I don't know what's going on. Hopefully they'll figure that all out. Well, a couple of things that I thought were interesting. The safety car was, that color was heinous. I mean, I, I know that it has to stand out, but that BMW did not look good in whatever that yellow was. Uh, please repaint that car, rewrap it. Oh God, that was awful. The other thing was I had a hard time differentiating between the new Benzes and the 911s because from behind, they look a lot alike. The rear end of the 911 is so big now. I, I don't know. So that was hard to like tell them apart when they were in traffic. But the other thing that I thought was interesting was John Pearson, apparently he's 15 year old. Next year, he's going to be the youngest driver in Rolex history. So I thought that was pretty cool. They did a spot with him for a couple of minutes, kind of interviewed him. I'd love to know what his backstory is. At 15, you know, going to be 16 years old next year, how do you go from high school to driving Rolex? Well, yes. Okay. The answer is obvious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I still think it's pretty cool. I'd love to know what that backstory is. So 23 is going to be an awesome year. There's a lot of new cars coming. I'm really curious to see how Rolex shapes up if the teams that are going to go to Le Mans are going to use Rolex as their test race because it's going to make for a really exciting Rolex next year. I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> but I think it's time we switch to some WRC news. What do you got, Tanya?
0: Isabel Galmish. A French co-driver in rally, she teamed up recently with Sebastian Loeb and has become, I guess, maybe the second woman, or at least the first woman in the last 25 years, to uh, co-drive at Monte Carlo Rally and be in the winning car. So, congrats yeah. to her! And she's got an interesting story that this is not her full-time gig. She kind of moonlights as a co-driver, and she has for for many years. It's the first time uh, competing with in the right seat with Sebastian Loeb so good for her. her her day job is a math teacher
2: that's awesome
0: and she's very humble sounding she doesn't want to have a lot of us and muss about any of this or bring the trophy in the school to show anybody she just kind of wants to go, go about her business. day <laughs> And, you
2: know, a lot of people that may not be intimate with how WRC works and rally, you know, there's two people in the car. They're going flat out, you know, crazy on these mountain roads. And the navigator's job is super important. It's actually even more difficult than the driving in the sense that they keep the pace and the rhythm of the run itself, of the pass, right? They're giving out instructions to the driver in advance because there's, on many occasions, the driver only sees the run one time and it's usually in a passenger vehicle at lower speed. And what they're doing on that one run is taking notes about the course, about the elevations, the camber, where there's holes, where you need to turn in, where to watch out, what's on the exit of the corner. And those hieroglyphs, those instructions that they write are super important. It's a very complex type of shorthand that they use. And they need to be able to obviously remember that, but also come to an agreement with their driver on what the turn is, what they're going to do. So she's got a really difficult job working with any of the drivers, but even a a world champion like Sebastian Loeb, I mean, it's an honor and a privilege, but also it's it's a challenge, right? So obviously they don't have a uh, language barrier because they're both French, I'm proud of her. I mean, it, it's a tough job and, and being in the right seat and not really looking also where you're going and just reading that book line after line and, and, and being on those difficult stages and, and crazy weather conditions and, and all that. It's a tough job. I don't think I could stump. I don't think I had the stomach for it, honestly, because I probably get sick, you know, just t- trying to do that mm-hmm. uh, in the passenger seat. But to your point about the last time it was done and I, I might be wrong about my WRC knowledge. But I think it goes almost as far back as Michelle Mouton and Fabrizia Pons as winning female co-driver navigator at Monte Carlo. It might be that far back, which is they 35 said it was, plus years.
0: It said it was Fabrizia Pons with Piero Liatti in okay. uh, 1997.
2: So after she left Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was Fabrizia then. It's still the same navigator as it was for Michelle Mouton. So there you go. I mean, she's famous as, you know, one of the early female rally navigators. So that's awesome. It's good to see that. And we, we want to promote that. And I know she doesn't want the glory, but you know, I'm, I'm proud of her. That's awesome. It's, it's a tough job. It's a thankless job. That's for sure.
1: So a little bit of news from the esports world, right, Brad? Yeah, I guess if you're a uh a playstation person which i'm not but gt7 grand turismo 7 is coming out so it is going to be released on march 4th of this year it brings with it 400 cars to 34 different locations with 90 different layouts it's going to be available on both the PS4 and the PS5. And yeah, if you play Gran Turismo for some reason over Forza, then, you know, this is your bag. Here you I'm go. just curious how long have they been waiting for this new version of Gran Turismo to come out? I mean, the last Gran Turismo I saw was Gran Turismo Sport, which that one was, I think it was all supposed to be like multiplayer online racing based and not much of like a campaign or anything like you get with all the other Forzas and everything. I don't Apparently, know. Apparently, this one they've,
0: they're going back to the heyday of Gran Turismo, which I guess would be like, what, Gran Turismo 3? Two, so, two, like two, 2 or yeah, 3, two,
1: like
0: 2 or 3. So I think they've kind of gone back to that campaign mode style and nice. they've gone, added back in a lot of the other I guess side features that that had which were kind of the nifty silly things that was Gran Turismo like buying the used cars
2: and I thought that was the doing, coolest thing doing mods and like all that kind of stuff so they're, they're bringing that back in I like the wheel swapping was my favorite you could get about wheels washing, off of
1: other cars
2: washing yeah. your car <laughs> Yeah. I, oh
1: yeah you could wash your car that was pretty cool one of my biggest gripes with the most recent Gran Turismo was the track selection I guess because Forza has so many tracks tracks. tracks under contract and are under licensing. or They own licensing to all these tracks. As HPDE people, we drive a whole bunch of different tracks around the country and everything. And you couldn't drive some of those in Gran Turismo because they just didn't have them. I don't know that there were any tracks that I was actually interested in in Gran Turismo.
0: I think that's still the case in seven because I had pulled up a track list and they really don't. It seemed like a high percentage of what seemed like made up tracks versus actual tracks forza seems to have a lot more actual tracks
1: when i was a kid i used to love driving those made up tracks because i didn't know any better but now that i've actually been on a real racetrack this doesn't interest me at all
2: oh you you don't want to drive autumn valley or whatever that is you know forza has maple valley right so it's all good (laughs) (laughs) yeah whatever (laughs) i don't i don't care so let's switch over to our HPD Junkie Trackside report. I got a note from Dave Peters the other day, you know, they are still backfilling tons of events into the system for the 2022 season. It feels like a lot of people are making up for lost time. He told me the other day that at Thunder Hill alone, they just entered 75 events. And apparently there's like 80 more for that track itself this year. And I'm like, they must be doing something every day of the week out there in California. So he's keeping up to date on that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more information being pushed to the website right now. So if you want to know what's going on in February and March, hop over to hpdjunkie.com and search by track to make it much easier to say, hey, what's going on in my area? And you can actually see what's going on from now until the end of the year. And obviously it continues to prune itself, expand and contract and all that. But I do want to announce on behalf of our sponsors over at Hooked on Driving, as a reminder, they are going to be at VIR at the beginning of March on March 3rd and March 4th. This is like one of the earliest events in the DMV on the schedule right now there might be something a little bit earlier, but that's pretty early for this area to have a track event followed very soon after by New Jersey Motorsports Park. They're going to be at Thunderbolt on April 9th and 10th. And then two weeks after that, they'll be at Watkins Glen for a three-day spring fling from April 29th, 30th, and May 1st. So they're doing their fall event in the spring as well now, three days, at Watkins Glen. And then it goes from there, right? They're at Pocono a couple more times. They're at Lime Rock and Summit Point. You know, Summit Point is back on the schedule. They're at Shenandoah for June 18th and 19th and things like that. And I also want to give a shout out to Mike and Mona. They're actually going to be on the show next week, kicking off season three. So you get to hear all about HOD and what their program is like. And some really cool behind the scenes content where Mike actually turns the tables on me and interviews me during that behind-the-scenes Patreon mini-sode. So be sure to check that out next week when it hits our uh, main server. You know, I mentioned this is the end of Season 2. This is the last episode of Season 2. And I just wanted to kind of just do a quick retrospective for the folks that may be listening to the show for the first time. You know, this is going to be the first episode at the top of the list. If you want to go back and want to know when season two started, look for the Vet Motorsports episode with Peter Klein, right? Where we talk about their program to get disabled veterans back into the motorsports world and all these kinds of programs that they have and how they facilitate that and whatnot.
1: We also had what should I buy ugly cars parts one and two and nineties cars.
2: We kicked off an entire crossover month in the middle of the summer. We had Brian from take two podcasts on, we talked about a bunch of car related movies and shows and things like that. We had Stephen Izzy from everything I learned from movies on twice this season. We had a lot of fun with them. We look forward to doing more projects in the future. John Warner fourth author of the Little Anton series and noted Porsche historian. He also has a podcast. We did a crossover with him. And a shout out to Carolyn Ford and Mark Sennell from the Tech Transforms podcast, where we talked about the intersection of IT and the racing world as a crossover episode as well.
1: We also had a ton of interviews, awesome interviews with Rob Holland, Bobby Parks, David Middleton, Chris Bright from CPX, and our favorite You Got a guy, Paul Willimowski.
2: Yeah, we did a ton of technical episodes, too. We had Andrew Rains on from Apex Pro. We interviewed the folks over at Liquamali. We talked to Blackstone Joe over at Blackstone Labs, which was also a crossover episode. We interviewed James Clay, both for PowerFlex and for Bimber World. And we talked to Sal Finelli over at Porsche Diesel USA.
1: And to prove that we do more than just take laps and do HPDE, we talked off-roading. We talked drag racing. We talked lunar racing. I mean, who talks lunar racing these days? We do. That's who.
2: (laughs) We also celebrated Gingerman Raceway's 25th anniversary, and we did a retrospective with Summit Point looking back over their 50-year history, dove into both of the backgrounds of those tracks and their evolutions and what the future looks like for those two facilities.
1: And there are. Fifty six episodes to catch up on from season two alone, not counting all of the bonus and behind the scenes content if you sign up for Patreon.
2: You know, I can't pick a best of articles for season two because there are six hundred and forty drive through articles that we have reviewed on this particular sub arc of the BreakFix podcast. So there's a lot to catch up on there. they are a lot of fun. And don't forget, one of our favorite linked to the drive through episodes has to be this year's We Would Be Remiss retrospective where Tanya rants about all things Tesla. <laughs>
1: And we would love to give some big shout-outs to all our guests, hosts during season two, David Drew Andrews, David L. Middleton, Donovan Laura, Mark Shank, Mountain Man Dan, and especially Tanya. Yeah, we have to shout out Tanya for helping us out, especially while I've been away.
0: And if you've missed out some of the winter episodes on the podcast, we celebrated our 100th episode with a crossover with our friend Steven Izzy from Everything I Learned from Movies, where we reviewed the 70s cult classic corvette summer andrew bank and mike kuchavik from havoc performance told the tale of two vipers we cranked up the wayback machine by revisiting a patreon minisode called toro toro where we chat with jason kennedy from auto interests about their humble beginnings in the ford Taurus club thank you to everyone that came on the show this month and please look forward to more great episodes this spring and don't forget march officially kicks off season three can you believe it?
2: I don't know. Can you believe it? <laughs> so we do have some new Patreons for February. What do we got there, Brad?
1: We've got to give a big shout out to uh, Todd, the Sabertooth Goat Tiger Lily. And he's also the recipient of this year's GTM Award. So if you're a Patreon member, you would have heard the GTM Awards night uh, that was recorded during Rolex. Uh, he would have heard his name. Uh, we also have a special thanks to our new sponsor, Mike Kuchavik of Havoc Performance
2: That's right. And remember, folks, everything that we talked about on this episode and more is available on our website, gtmotorsports.org. So be sure to check on the follow-on article so you can dive into all the Florida man stories, Tesla technological advancements, or maybe that Ferrari SUV that we talked about. So that's all available on our website. There's links pretty much everywhere. And remember, there's bonus and behind-the-scenes contents on patreon.com. So that's
1: patreon.com
2: forward slash gtmotorsports.
1: And we would be remiss if we didn't shout out some anniversaries. This year is eight years with GTM. It's Tanya and I. Eric, of course, is a lifelong GTMer, but it's officially eight years as well. Uh, we also have some, some other OG original gangster GTMers like Mountain Man Dan uh, and Portia Al. That's it. Well, we didn't have a special guest host this month as we close out season two,
2: but look forward to other returning guests in season three, some really cool stuff that we have planned, some exciting new interviews racers and other ideas that we're going to put together for season three. As we've mentioned before, if you have an interest on in being on the show, don't hesitate to reach out to us, call or text, email us, et cetera. But if you'd like to be a guest host on the drive through we always have a spot and you're always welcome to come on and share your opinion, share your stories. We'd love to have you. So I guess I got a shout out to Brad. Thanks for being here, closing out 56 long episodes of season
1: two. And I'm looking forward to where season three takes us. Well, thank you for having me back. I appreciate my spot not being permanently taken, Um, but also. It's a big spot to fill, my man. It's big big shoes. It's a very big seat to fill, I must admit. Uh, (laughs) And then also a shout out to the executive producer, co-host, and owner of the podcast, whether she likes it or not, Tanya.
0: (laughs) Whether she knows it or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The drive-thru wouldn't be the drive-thru without Tanya, that's for sure. We'd all be living in Florida. Yeah, and all the members who support GTM, without you, none of this would be.
2: That's right. Well, until next season, I guess this is us signing off. Thanks for being aboard for all of season two.
0: Watch out for that sunshine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we're out. Well, here we are in the drive through line, me and her in front of us cars in back of us all just waiting to order there's some idiot in a volvo with his bright sun behind me i lean out the window and scream hey what you trying to do blind me my wife says maybe we should
1: if you like what you've heard and want to learn more about gtm be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org you can also find us on instagram at Grand Motorsports.
2: Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.